Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of All the Way Down, the podcast. This is Dash Retro with me, Invictus Knox. Hey, Dash. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm quite all right. I'm energized. I took a nice nap right before uh, the podcast, and uh, I'm ready to talk about oh, nice. some uh, some it, games that I didn't think I'd be talking about um, all of a sudden. But also, you and I discussed right before the podcast that, um, well, first of all, we, we may or may not, depending on what's going on and when, potentially start doing live streams of uh of of like you know like nintendo directs and such like the past one that just happened i so for reference i haven't watched that one so i figured we'd talk about that on the podcast today but also we may also you know do like a live like reaction kind of not like i might not even dedicate to doing it live i mean true yeah yeah, we whenever it's convenient for us, it, it, whenever is good, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it might even be better that we don't do it live, actually, because that right. way we people can get their initial thoughts out of the way and then come check us out. Uh, yeah, good idea. But uh, but anyway, Nintendo Direct. Um, uh, there's a couple things in there that I immediately perked up at the thought of, and I don't think I'm justified in, <laughs> in perking up about it. And other people were not happy about it. And, and I, I guess, the, namely the thing that's on my mind is I keep hearing about is ActRaiser. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, from what I've seen, it kind of looks like shit. Yeah, uh, so I haven't seen anything or heard anything. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so that's actually an important thing for me to know. Maybe that's why I have this positive bias towards it, is I follow Yuzo Koshiro, which is... Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, legendary sound, uh, you know, composer, director for uh, for Sega, a lot of Sega games, like like uh, the Ease series as well. Honestly, a huge library, a great, amazing music. Um, and he worked on ActRaiser, and like that soundtrack on the SNES is like the one that stuck in my head the most. So um, I, and, and the reason why is because the the speedrunner who taught me how to play Castlevania well. ActRaiser is his like that's his go-to game, um, okay. And and, and so, like his his yeah, great music in that game. Um, so you did not watch the direct though. You just kind of got this through osmosis, yeah. Exactly, Twitter, um, yeah, yeah. So so I watched the direct, and uh, it, we're we're totally opposite here because I did watch the direct, but I've never played or seen ActRaiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played For it a little reason, bit. Okay, for some reason that's just like a total blind spot for me on on Super Nintendo. I have not seen that game ever uh, mm-hmm. for some reason. But when I saw the uh, when I yeah when I saw the actors on the direct the the remake of it, um, what I saw I thought, hey, I know that this is a Super Nintendo game. Um, visually, this looks like absolute garbage. Oh no! But it looks like it's probably a really cool Super Nintendo game. Uh, so yeah, like you could tell that the gameplay was there, you mm. know, like the gameplay looked pretty cool. So yeah, what I got out of them showing new act razor was just, Oh, I should probably play that super Nintendo game. Huh? <laughs> um, I think you know, you assuming should. it's similar. I honestly think you would probably love it. Um, it's, it's hard. It's a platformer, <laughs> but also there's like, um, a little bit of like world explora- exploration to it. I don't really know how to describe it fully because, like I said, I only played a very small amount of it. Um, 
I'd say about five minutes <laughs> in retrospect, uh, practically, because uh, I, I made the mistake of doing it on a stream where I didn't want to just play what I've been normally playing to keep up with the storyline, etc. I just wanted to get drunk and have a good time and play a bunch of random stuff that I've had on my docket and wanted to just kind of dip my toes in forever. So I played ActRaiser, not sober, and it was not a game that you want to approach without all your faculties so i okay. was like okay i i'm bad at this i'm gonna return to it someday but i watched a guy who's really good at it and makes this look way fucking easier than i'm doing right now <laughs> and uh and the soundtrack again is is great because uh, i don't know man yuzuka shiro he's involved the streets of rage that's that's all i should say for that if you like the streets of rage soundtrack but uh yeah act razor was something i was like why why did it look bad to you uh well it, it um it had a little bit of like the bloodstained look to it where like the it was three everything was 3D models but they didn't look like they were in the same world you know mm. like you can tell that it's like the environment uh, you know what I mean um it's I guess it's I know I guess what you mean probably not yeah, a did great you see um you saw bloodstained before the like the whole redo of the color palette and remodels of and reskins of things right yeah but I don't remember what it looked like I I do remember it looking worse though yeah so so essentially like I I, I remember the trailer being distinct because like they were they were really like, tongue in cheek about it um it was uh koji igarashi himself like sitting in like this tall modeled chair exactly like dracula's chair from symphony of the night where he's got the glass of wine he's in like the dress suit and he's like oh come on you can't be complaining this early in the game development essentially and then it shows the graphics of the game which is like imagine what we played ritual of the night but like you know how it's a ps4 game imagine it was an early ps1 game but also before they figured out bloom lighting <laughs> so so you must mean ps2 i definitely meant ps3 game sorry okay. early <laughs> ps3 game before they figured out bloom lighting um sure. and it looks really like bland but then they they did this thing where they just kind of video transitioned the scene on the same camera rail into the new graphics and it's like oh it's all pretty down it's like you know i was like why are you doubting me etc so mm-hmm. i don't know it, it I, it you're, it sounds like you're talking about pre that bloodstained well, graphics. Yeah, yeah, like kind of what I mean is like so the environment is 3D and then the character looks like they're 3D, but it looks like they are like digitized into sprites in a way that makes it so that you know they look like an image of a 3D character on a 3D area, uh, and then you know the the um. Yeah, just all like the damage numbers and everything. I don't know. I I, I guess I don't have a, a, a super um super strong opinion about it. I just thought uh, you know, it, it didn't look very cohesive. Uh it looked bland and cheap, right? Did it, did it look not um, done? <laughs> r- yeah, kinda. Uh, it's but, probably uh not again done. like the, the gameplay looked pretty cool and I bet that the Super Nintendo game plays the same and also looks good probably (laughs) hang on i did just i might have made a fuck up there i I did just say because it may not be done but wait a minute though didn't this game also just become available on steam or something 
Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I think people are playing it. So, I don't know if it's fully available or, or if some people got early copies or something. I'm not sure. I'm going to double check that right now. But what are some games um, that you saw that you thought I would like? Because I remember you saying that you, there was things that you didn't really care for, but you thought I would like. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, well, one thing is that, so you know how um, there is the Nintendo Online where there is like a selection of SNES and NES games? Oh, yeah, I heard they were adding N64. They are adding N64. Did you also hear that they are adding Sega Genesis? Yes, and I also heard that a lot of people are mind-blown for some reason that Nintendo could possibly be selling a Sega Genesis controller as if they haven't been selling Sega into, you know, still being financially successful for the past 20 years for everything else. It's like why is why is everyone so weirded out with them selling a Sega? But or, uh, okay, so here's the thing uh, I heard people are justifiably unhappy about, which is Japan is getting the six button version and America's only getting the three button version. I did not hear that, and that is stupid. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, but also came from twitter so grain of salt i I don't know if (laughs) that source is verified however i did see a very timely uh introduced into the market um what's the word uh uh, suspiciously (laughs) timely entered into the market retrobit is releasing a interesting new concept of a controller which is they're the the original form factor of the Sega three button controller. They're releasing in six button form. So if, if you don't know, the Sega six button controller for the Sega Genesis is actually smaller. If it's in smaller hands than the uh, the, the Sega three button controller, which I thought was at first I thought was um, not true, <laughs> because the only six button controllers I've ever come across. Uh, were not Sega official. They were well, the one I have now, which is Retrobit. Um, assuming, assuming they actually modeled theirs after the original six button, but the other ones I saw or had were aftermarket, even as a kid. So uh, I, I I always knew they were smaller, but I didn't think that was official, and I didn't understand because the three button controller, in my opinion, was one of the most comfortable gamepad controllers ever made. Um, and the six-button controller being different was an adjustment for me. But anyway, yeah, I, they're making something cool. Keep an eye on Retrobit. I still don't know how I feel about them because my Sega Saturn controller already has a broken shoulder button despite having zero hours in games. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I didn't want to... I, 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 there was something I wanted to bring up about ActRaiser also, which mm. this might be a little tangential. Oh, but... and can confirm it released September 23rd, so it is available now, so it should be done. It okay, I, well, done. I, I feel like we're seeing... Um, I feel like we're starting to see lazier remakes oh, of, yeah. of old games. Yes. And I, I mean, is it new? Because what I'm thinking is like... The Final Fantasy Pixel remasters, they look okay, but they've got some, like, glaring things about them that seem very, like, kind of cheap. 
And then uh, on Switch, there's that Legend of Mana remake on Switch that has like they like smoothed out the pre-rendered backgrounds, but didn't do any smoothing to the sprites. So you have like smoothed out backgrounds, but then still like these jagged pixel sprites on top of it, and which it is weird, bizarre because that's the complete exact opposite problem that uh, Final Fantasy VIII's remake has, which is all the 3D models are nice and remade and pretty, and then everything else yeah. is untouched. So it's so bizarre. You can walk your 3D character across a blurry-ass bridge because right. it's just the original 2D texture. So, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if, if maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just noticing it now, but... No, I, dude, I, I think it's know. lazy. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we've been seeing a lot lately of, like, yeah, re- remakes of... Super Nintendo or PS1 era games that um Well, think yeah, about it. Just, we just they're, had they're doing... We just had a uh, uh um motherfucking uh The Legend of Zelda game, the remake the, from the Game Boy game. It's not Link to the oh, Past. Oh, Link's Awakening? Link's No, Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening for is Switch? the Game Boy game for Switch? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not a Link to the Past is the Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, okay. Correct. So, yeah, uh Link's Awakening uh I would not call that a lazy remake or remaster at right, all. Right, yeah. That, that is a was a fantastic example. Yes. That was very, very good. Oh, uh, so yeah. It's been it's been kind of weird seeing that. Anyway, back to direct. Um mm-hmm. the other big thing that that I think uh w- will maybe be interesting to you, I don't know. It depends on how much you're dedicated to collecting. The only reason that uh that this wasn't a super big deal for me, um anyway. Uh, Castlevania Advance Collection. Did you see this? They're, yeah. They're, yeah. So, so Castlevania, uh, Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow, the three Game Boy Advance games, are in a pack together on Steam and on Switch and stuff now. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Uh, the So, um... The thing that stood out to me that I didn't know that they were doing is apparently it also has Dracula X in it. Uh, so that's neat because I don't think I'm going to buy that one, you know? Because the thing is, like, I just dropped uh, the money on getting the Game Boy Advance versions of those games to play them on Game Boy Advance, right? Well, yeah, um, but, dude, that's the so, same reason I'm... Because you remember last podcast, literally last podcast, I showed that I just finally paid over a hundred dollars for a game and it was aria of sorrow so that right. means i have circle of the moon and aria of sorrow so i need harmony of dissonance to complete it and that'll be it so like i could just not finish the the three and then just get you know the emulation version which honestly hang on uh does do, do we know who's doing the emulation for the uh advanced collection no, I don't know who is involved Cause, specifically. Cause but yeah, what I was gonna say is that like it. I, I at first I wasn't really interested because you know I happen to be one of the people that already has the games physically, mm-hmm. but it's also got Dracula X in it, and you know I don't, uh, I'm not gonna buy that. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think. Um, but like, so do yeah. You- do you find Dracula X worth it enough to already to pay for three games you've already spent the money in paying? I guess I don't know how much the collection is, but uh, I'm sure it's but, probably yeah. going to be like sixty or seventy bucks. To be honest, no way. Uh, how much was the other collection? I don't remember the the um, yeah the anniversary collection. 
Yeah, I don't know. I let don't me let me let, let's let's find it real quick. While you're Castlevania doing that, Advanced, Advanced Collection, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, that's actually not on bad. What well, on, on Steam? How much is it physically though? Oh, I I don't know. That's what I'm comparing it to. Um, but okay. on the subject, back to uh, to Nintendo Direct, I was looking at this trailer here with Actraiser in it, and I'm kind of baffled because it doesn't even look like a new game. It doesn't. It looks like it honestly looks like a, a a remake of of a tablet, like a mobile game or something. Like the graphics look like a mobile game. Which one are you talking about? Actraiser again? Actraiser Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. It 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 don't look good. This is like this looks like a mobile game. Like it's very strange seeing this as a PS4 or PS5 game. That so that kind of goes with what we were saying a minute ago too, just about kind of the lazy remake stuff because some of the stuff has been like a game that they ported to mobile and then ported to PC. You know, like I didn't was- even know it was actually a remake. Like I thought it was a new Actraiser game. Mm, okay. So this I mean, is, I, I I guess I'm not positive since I didn't play the original. Well, even looking at the world map where you're just the little fairy dude with the little like the little like the little angel Sheru baby with the with the halo, you're just flying over the world map just the same as in the original SNES game. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, it looks like a remake. Honestly, it's crazy. So yeah, the fact that they are adding Genesis games and the Castlevania thing, those were the two things that I kind of thought you might uh perk up for oh but, uh, yeah for for me there were a couple things that stood out that i wasn't really expecting there's a new kirby game that they announced hmm. that's going to be a 3d platformer mm. and uh it looked awesome on the trailer i really really was i had no idea you know that they're making another kirby game and, i didn't either uh, until you just said that, that I, well, no one's yeah, talked I mean, about th- that this was like the announcement of it, and it looks great. Uh, I was really surprised how good it looks. I'm actually so. going to say right now that if there's one uh, series retro in general from the 90s, I feel like I've missed out on it's it's Kirby because every time I've played any single Kirby game, like dedicated Kirby, it's always just been a blast and it's like mm-hmm. it's 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 the kind of video gaming that i like to do just short bursts of fun because my attention span can't hold it for that much longer anyway so like arcadey games where you can just kind of sit down and play for five minutes and get up that's been like every kirby game i've played it's been like this fun 3d uh uh, uh centrifugal force you know momentum based platformer like kind of like marble madness but even like cuter <laughs> Yeah, one thing that Kirby's always been really good about too is having a lot of secrets and like if you, mm. you know, the the games are relatively easy to just like blast through, you know, yeah. but if you want to find all the secrets, there is some pretty good challenges in there too as far as like all that goes. So, um and like the hard mode on Kirby's Adventure where you have half the life is pretty cool too for for a good challenge. Yeah, I like uh I I like the Kirby games I've played. But I've only played old ones. I played Kirby's Adventure on NES, and then I played Dreamland 1 and 2 on Game Boy. And that's actually, like, all the Kirby I've ever played. Might be uh, me, too, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many... Like the, there's, like, Kirby's Epic Yarn or something on, on Wii that I didn't get to play that I do have now. 
Right, yeah. Um, I guess I did play Canvas Curse on DS, but that's like totally different. That's the game where you it, Kirby's just like a ball rolling and you draw a line on the touch screen for him to follow and stuff. So that one's totally different. Uh, but um, yeah, so this new one, I mean, I, right, like, the, the last couple Kirby games I've seen on, uh, like, like, Star Allies on Switch have looked, like, really easy and kind of mindless and not, you know, not necessarily too interesting to me, uh, but this one was a 3D platformer, and it looked really, really good, and it kind of made me realize also, or someone pointed out to me, that Mario Odyssey was actually quite Kirby-like, uh, with the way that you throw the hat and you... Uh, take yeah. on the power of the different <laughs> enemies. Yeah. You know, you could really easily see like a similar kind of thing happening in a, a Kirby game. Uh, that's also 3D. So yeah, surprising. It looked really cool. I would definitely, you know, keep your eye out for it uh, when it comes out because, you know, I got high hopes for that one. And then the other thing that stood out to me was a Final Fantasy kart racing game what (laughs) yeah it's it's uh remember chocobo racing Um, yes and i loved it so this is called chocobo gp oh uh, mm, this sounds amazing already yeah yeah it looks really (laughs) cool you know it's like mario kart but uh you know chocobos and other kinds of like um final fantasy uh uh clouds motorcycle i'm sure will be in there yeah, maybe. Well, okay, funny thing about Cloud's motorcycle. Um, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy VII recently, which I would like to talk about later. <laughs> but uh, I only just realized that the motorcycle that Cloud famously rides in that game can't have been his. He gets it from the Shinra building. Why would it be? Why would his motorcycle be in that building at that time? Nah, it's just he, he stole it. <laughs> Well, I mean, so, he's, he's ex-soldier, right? He just well, yeah, commandeers maybe things. He, maybe he left his bike there from yeah. his soldier days that didn't actually happen. And uh, spoilers. <laughs> um, anyway. I remember uh, this bike being here. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy? I don't know, but it looked like his. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, um, I, there's a... Uh, Okay, never mind. I don't want to run over your whatever you were saying. I know how to. Oh tangent. yeah, so so Chocobo GP, right? So yeah, you know it's got fa- some fan service in it, right? Like I saw, like you can play as Gilgamesh, maybe or something. Oh, that's you know? cool. Okay, um, fuck this, uh, like old school shit. Right, I'm buying this game. Uh, what so what yeah. system? Uh, Switch. You know, this was Nintendo Direct. Um, oh, so true. They showed it for they showed it for Switch, but like everything else we've been talking about so far today, it's also been available on Steam. So who the hell knows? Well, hang on, Square uh, Enix though. I would think uh, this would come out on a PlayStation thing. Yeah, well, it was on the Nintendo Direct. So, uh, but that, that's what I'm saying. So we we no, it's probably going to be on Switch because it was on the Nintendo Direct. But it might also be on anything else because you know it might be on Steam, might be on PlayStation. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so. It surprisingly looked pretty cool. Um, you know, remember when we were talking, probably, I think it was just last time, we were talking about uh, Crash Team Racing mm-hmm. and how there was the juiced mechanic where if you got enough Wumpa Fruit, uh, it would power up all of your weapons. Um, mm. the, the Chocobo game that they showed had a similar mechanic where, like, fire is one of the weapons you can get. But I don't know the exact details, but there's something that you can do to power it up to a Fyra, right, before you throw it. Or a Fyraga, right? <laughs> uh, cool. So, yeah, so it sounds like there will be some fun Final Fantasy stuff in there. This um, sounds I, really cute. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out. Uh, hopefully... 
The thing is, Mario Kart is so, so solid as far as its gameplay goes. It feels so perfect, the controls. And the level designs in Mario Kart are really, really, really good. So I hope that this one doesn't have, like, a bunch of fun, cool personality that we love, but it just doesn't play as well as Mario Kart, you know? You think um, it's going to get dropped in tournaments and not get played competitively or anything like that? Well, I don't even know about competitive. I just mean, like, when I'm playing it, I hope I'm not just going, man, <laughs> Mario Kart sure feels better, doesn't it? You know? Uh, so I we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I have played maybe all of maybe one hour total of the newest Mario Kart. It was Mario mm-hmm. Kart 8, I want to say, right? Yeah. Um, Man, it's been a while since the last Mario Kart then, hasn't it? Because yeah, that came out eight, on, the, on, the, on the Wii U. Yes, 8 was on the Wii U, and then pretty early in the Switch's lifespan, I want to say it was like a month after the Switch came out, or maybe just a couple months, uh, they came out with 8 Deluxe, right? Mm, uh, and then, yeah, yeah. they're... they're there hasn't been one since then. It's just Forgot been about that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I did want to point out something you were talking about earlier. The Genesis games uh, on on Nintendo Switch Online, I think it's badass that they're putting that in there. I don't know any of the games that they actually announced for it. Are there, are there any? Because... Uh, yeah, Bloodlines, I think, was on there. Because um, I want to say it was on like 15 or so that they announced. I don't remember what they were, but I remember someone bringing up a good point on Twitter that, um, I think it was actually uh, John Riggs, I want to say. Shout out to Immortal John Riggs. Uh, that if you want to play Sega Genesis games on the Nintendo Switch, dollar for dollar you are going to get much better value out of paying for the $30 Sega Genesis collection that has already over 50 titles. Yeah, I can see that. If you don't already pay for Nintendo Switch Online to get the, 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 you know, the services of online as well as the the classics that they're running which by the way i don't think actually think is that bad of a deal if you're a fan of those games because in those collections they tend to put games that didn't ever get print here and you can't really find them physically as easily like i found my love of twin b through nintendo switch online twin b is a mm. fantastic up like top down 8-bit shooter uh it's, it's a cute em up and i love cute em ups they're just like for some reason, they, they they keep me going energetic wise when I'm playing shoot 'em up games. But uh, yeah, anyway, the 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 Genesis collection in there, there's like I want to say like fifty or something games, but they're announcing only a, a couple right now. Yeah, this this image might be a little bit blurry, but I'm sending you a picture of of the lineup that I found. Okay. Um. So yeah, Gunstar Heroes and Castlevania Bloodlines are both on there. Oh, and Contra Hardcore. So those stand out to me because those are like the three Genesis games that I've... uh, I actually can't see it because the way we have our Discord set up. (laughs) Oh, nice. Um, Well, to run through the other ones real quick, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bee Machine, Mm -hmm. Echo the Dolphin, Golden Axe, Musha? Musha. Is there a game just called Musha? There is, and it is a fantastic arcade game, actually. It's an arcade shoot-em-up. Fantasy Star 4, Rystar... Ristar. Shining. Oh yeah. Ristar's the, okay. okay. Yeah. Ristar was that cool platformer for the Genesis where it had the mechanic of you could like like there was a lot of monkey bar mechanics in the game where you could swing from mm. bar to bar 
as, as this little <laughs> weird little star dude in like a little black suit. <laughs> it looked like a little Eminem costume or something. I don't know. Gotcha. And then you got Shining Force, Ooh, Shining Shinobi Force. 3, mm-hmm. Sonic 2, Sonic Streets 2. of Rage 2, mm-hmm. and Strider. Ooh, Strider. That I, I want to say that's an expensive game now, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, so that so that's everything. And yeah, you do bring up a really good point though where if uh, how much like if you can get a, a Sega Classic for like 30 bucks, like you were saying, right? Well, is that what you said? How how much are we talking about? Uh well, first of all, Strider is $44, but the Sega Genesis Classic Collection on a Nintendo Switch Genesis Classic Collection on oh only coming up on PS2 games so I'm not sure but I want to say it's only like twenty or thirty bucks and I think it's like fifty yeah. games included. Okay, yeah, I imagine like probably all those games are accounted for on there. I wonder if there's any anything else. So yeah, just up to you whether you want it to be launchable from your Nintendo Switch, uh, you know, and playable off of that because that's that's always nice. You know, this kind of thing is always funny for me to to consider, right? Because like. It's one of those things where, where you know, I, I'm always the advocate for playing on the original hardware, right? But, um, you know, so so it's hard for me to consider personally, like, how how, how much do I care about this? You know, because yeah. honestly, it's like not very much. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. It's, just, it's weird to figure out our target audience, you know, because we're two people who are just <laughs> right. an, entirely way too pedantic for most other people. <laughs> but we're also right. talking about things that I think a lot of people are interested in. And then they hear us talk about it for like five minutes, and they tune out. Probably, <laughs> we have a we're, we have a pretty small hardcore audience, I would say, of listeners. <laughs> but there you go. That's I mean, that's basically the Nintendo Direct for me. I don't really remember anything else that that super stood out. I mean, they showed more Metroid Dread. That looks amazing. Uh, oh, they did. That's know, cool. I'm, I'm very excited to play that. Uh, and then yeah, I don't I don't really uh, I don't really remember anything else, honestly. They showed Animal Crossing for a second, but really only to say that Animal Crossing is going to have its own dedicated direct in like a month. So I guess if you're into Animal Crossing, you've got shit to look forward to in a month. Well, uh, are they making a new one or is it just more content? I think it's probably more stuff for New Horizons. Yeah, I was going to say New Horizons. New Horizons was has to be their most successful title yet because holy shit, I know everyone was interested in that game. Yeah, and then they also, uh, I think they also said that like there's going to be a special Smash Direct also, so there wasn't any Smash news, because uh, that's also going to have its own its own thing. Because I guess the next character that they add into Smash Bros. is going to be the last character that they add into Smash Bros., or at least that's what they're saying. I don't mm. know why. Like, honestly, I think that Smash Bros. put itself in kind of a weird spot right now, because... There's not really a reason to not add more characters that I can think of, unless they're making a new game, but why would they make a new game? They made Smash Bros. Ultimate, right? It's Ultimate! (laughs) So, like, what are they gonna do after that, right? Uh, Like, it kind of seems like the only reason to make another Smash Bros. game would be if you're making another console, you know? Uh, So, yeah, I I don't know. To me, it sounds weird to say that they're not gonna make any more characters. Uh, did, but we'll they, see. Um, did you see them show anything about the new triangle strategy? You know, that new uh, Octopath oh, Traveler thing? Yeah, they briefly showed that. I want to say they took triangle out of the name. 
uh, when they showed it briefly. It was like Project Strategy or something. Yeah, I don't know. All I remember about that is I think it was episode one of our podcast, wasn't it? Where I was Might bitching about the, where the I was weird... bitching about it. Yeah. Um. How, yeah. Just like how bad, how poorly the demo ran, and how much I didn't like the graphics and stuff. Um, so yeah, I didn't really pay too much attention to it when they, they did show that for a little bit and I was like, oh, here's this bullshit again. Uh, so yeah, that's all I got out of that. (laughs) But yeah, there you go. So that's, you know, that's about the direct. I don't know. I don't got much more to tell you. Yeah. I'm looking at the list here. It doesn't seem like it's too, uh, too hefty on other things aside from the only thing that we haven't really talked about is. I'm not a Monster Hunter fan, so DLC expansion for that, I guess, is is popular for those fans, and as well as a a, a trailer for Bayonetta three that I have not seen as well. I have not played any Bayonetta game, uh, but I want to. Okay, yes, I did forget that they showed Bayonetta three. I mean, it's one of those things though where we already know that they're making Bayonetta three, so mm. how much really does it tell you? Uh, but um, hopefully, it looks mm. good. But it looked good, yep, and you know it looked like more Bayonetta, and Bayonetta is good, so yeah, you know, nice. I never finished Bayonetta two though, so maybe I'll have to uh <clears throat> pick that back up at some point because I loved the first one, but yeah, the second one I didn't finish for whatever reason yeah i um I lucked out and got a copy of the Wii U version, so it came with Bayonetta one. So yep, I, which that's I, the one I played too I, I think is the only way to technically own both of them physically. So yeah, because like the Switch Bayonetta two that comes with the first one, the first one's digital. I yeah, think. download okay. code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, interesting. So that's Nintendo Direct news. Like I looked at the list myself, and I was like, huh, a little little skimpy there, more more than I thought. But I guess it sounds like they're going to be uh, branching off into other franchises to get a little bit more focus in that area as well. Um, yeah, that's good. So games that we've been playing this week did you want to talk about anything you you sound like you had a whole lot to talk about at the end of last time (laughs) uh yeah i i do have a a very big deal um okay for me so uh i started speed running final fantasy 7 yeah i saw you got sub 9 congrats on that yeah i got under well so i've i've done two more so yeah, yeah my first run was like was like 12 hours long, you know, it was a slog, but I mean, it was because I was still learning a lot of shit. I was dying all the time, you know, and I was, uh, uh, you know, so having to reload the save a lot and just like still learning. Cause basically how I first, first started was there is someone, uh, RJ, the destroyer is one of the top runners of the game. And on speedrun.com, he's got a text file that is all of his notes basically on how to run the game. It's basically a step-by-step guide on how to, uh, speed run it as far as like what, what, items to put on what characters and what materia to use and and all that in order to like do the strategies and and like and notes on like how to tackle the bosses right so i started out just like following that guide right uh and and not really knowing why you do all the things you do oh why you know why do you equip this thing on this person at this time i don't know i'll just do it for now right so that's what ended in a 12 hour run was me not really Totally getting it, but kind of going with it, you know. Uh, second run, though, I had learned enough to make that one under 10 hours. 
Uh, and then the run after that was like under nine hours. My God. And then I've done, <laughs> and then I've done two more runs after that that have both been slightly faster. I did a run today uh, that ended at like eight hours, 36 minutes or something how, like that. 836, something about that. How do you just, okay, let me ask this. As regardless of the game, yeah. how, how do you as a speedrunner sit down and go, I am going to play a game to completion that I fully expect will take up to 12 hours until that 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 point is done. Biologically, walk me through what it takes to prepare yourself to sit down and do that. Well, the 12-hour run was very hard. I had to take a shit in the middle of it. Oh. So, there, you know, there, how, there, <laughs> how much does that add? <laughs> uh, you know, that it was probably, I, I, I went quick. So, you know, it was like, it was like 10 minutes on that one. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so, so definitely the first run, I was like, not very concerned about like biological needs slowing me down. Cause I knew it was like, this is going to be a trash run basically just to set up, you know, my splits that I'm going to compare against later. <laughs> uh, and then the second run is going to be the really fun one, you know, where I'm like, wow, I'm an hour ahead of last time right that was kind of the idea so i didn't really care about bathroom breaks and and that kind of thing uh i was like eating in the middle of it at one point and stuff so the first run first run doesn't really count it was it was almost just a casual run except i happened to be doing the speed strats right second run though it is kind of tough because the game has there's like six or seven different spots in the game where there'll be a minute long cutscene, And that's noted in the notes that, that like when I'm running that now, I'm still following the notes. I just have to reference them less and less often, you know, and in there somewhere is reminders of like, Hey, you've got a minute long bathroom break. Oh yeah. When yeah. this cutscene starts, you nice. know, um, and you usually, you know, sometimes it takes me longer than that and I lose a little bit of time, but that's just part of it. You know, you it's saved like a lot of time by, by going exactly. right then. Yeah, exactly. That's the way that I think of it is that it's like, I'm gonna lose time to having to pee. Yeah. So if I do it at this time, I lose a minute less, you know? Uh, but you, yeah, <laughs> speedrunners are, are different people, man. See, I, <laughs> I initially hated speedrunners when I saw someone. I, I talked about this before. When I when I saw someone break my childhood favorite game, Pokemon, <laughs> and and claim it as a legitimate dub, <laughs> and then uh, I understood speedrunning when I wanted to learn how to play Castlevania, and I watched a guy who speedruns it in like eleven minutes and thirty seconds. Uh, yeah, and then I was like, okay, wow, I understand this. And then I saw you doing a Final Fantasy VII run, and I was like. I was congratulating you because you got under nine hours. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't think I understand speedrunners again. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> fucking eight hours. Oh my God. Like, hang on. Yeah. That's an immense accomplishment for beating a game that for me would have taken 60, 90 hours as a kid to beat. That's, that's insanely good. And I see the thrill in, in getting, you know, 
you know, a lot less than that. But but like my a lot less than that tolerance point is down to like less than an hour. You know, like that's where I go. Okay, sure. I could do that. <laughs> yeah. So like a, a little bit of background. Like, firstly, one one thing about it is that I've already played through Final Fantasy VII, taken sixty hours per playthrough, like ten times. You know. Yeah. It's a game that I've played a shitload, so it's not like I haven't appreciated it. Oh, no, before. yeah, I wasn't even saying um, that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. the emotional attachment. It's not ruined at all for you. Yeah, this is just something that comes up a lot, though, so I'm mm-hmm. throwing it out there because yeah. people people wonder that. Why would you want to? Why, why, why are you eating your whole steak in one bite? You know, that kind of thing. Um, Good point. Already played the game a million times. Uh, and then the the other... So, so, yeah, so now it's, like, really fun to approach it with this different angle of like now we're going to appreciate it even more by like honing in on like the fast stuff and trying to get better at it mm-hmm. uh and then yeah i you know i don't know the the thing about a really long run that's really fun is that um there's there's so many ups and downs in a single run you know like I, so i've also speed i have speed ran some shorter games like super mario bros right and that's like a 20 minute run uh for a for a, a warpless run that is mm. and um and in so i'm at the point in super mario bros now though where if i if i fall in a pit if i die runs over i gotta reset you know because i can't make up that time and still get a personal best but that's an interesting way of looking at it huh but yeah, the but uh, Final Fantasy VII. I mean, part of this is because I've only done like six runs at this point. Yeah. But like, I lost like eight minutes today because I died to a boss that has like a four minute cutscene in <laughs> front of it. You know, uh, so I died to this boss, and I had to go through this whole cutscene again, and then try the boss again. And I was just playing like an asshole, right? So I lost like eight minutes. Uh, well, another thing uh, is with this much amount of content, enough such that a, 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 a record for you is around on the eight nine hour mark mm-hmm. it means there's a there's a lot of content to sift through through there that you can personally kind of lab out and play through and, have, and go mad sciency with and figure out oh if i do this then maybe i can save time here so i, I guess i can right. see that appeal too and uh yeah i mean yeah with, with a with a long run um it, it ends up having a lot of ups and downs like 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 i was saying one boss was terrible for me but then this other boss hours later in the run was like unbelievably fast because like every one of my attacks was hitting critical hits. The boss wasn't doing anything for some reason. It was just standing there, except it did like it opened with a move that put Tifa into critical health, which if she has the power soul equipped, that makes her stronger. So she was just fucking rocking him, you know? And like the, it, it just, it went so fast, you know? So like, uh, and, 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 um, I ended up, uh, uh, PB and by like five minutes today, right. Which is not very much in the context of an eight minute or of an eight hour run, but that's fun, you know, to me that, that it, it had the part where I was way ahead and then I was way behind and then I was way ahead, you know, and that's that that's fun. Uh, now. Yeah, yes, but uh, you might, I mean, I, I feel like we should talk about more details about how the run works, because I think it's very interesting. Uh, like, <laughs> you right, might be wondering, ahead. like, how does a Final Fantasy VII run work? Like, how do you beat the game super fast, right? Basically, Glitchless, right? You should probably specify. Well, there are glitches, there are some exploits that are used, and there are some big skips, but it's not like... 
So uh, this run is in the perfect area for me where it's not one of those runs where you just run out of bounds the whole time and run straight to the end of the game and then do some overflow glitch and kill him, you know? It's not that kind of run. You actually play through the whole game. But there are major sections that you can skip. And yeah, that you skipped makes... Cosmo Canyon, I want to say. Yes. Entirely. So, like, there are some big things that you do skip, which I think in the context of a run that you mostly play the whole game, it makes those skips really fun and exciting, right? Yeah. For example, after you blow up the first reactor in Final Fantasy VII, there's a part where you blow up the second reactor, and that's where you fight the airbuster, and that's where Cloud falls off the thing, and then he falls into the church, and that's where you meet Eris and Reno uh, and all that stuff. All of that, the second reactor gets totally skipped because just... Outside of, um, just outside of like Tifa's bar, like right after you do the first reactor, and this is just the intro to the game, right? The intro to the game is you blowing up the reactor and then you fight the guard scorpion and then you go back to Tifa's bar, right? Right next to that room, there are these two guards, kind of like an Ocarina of Time, you know, how there's that guy that doesn't let you leave the Kokori Forest or whatever. There's these two guards that are standing in front of the area that goes to Wall Market, which yeah. is where you go later with T- uh, Aris and you do the the cross dressing cutscene or uh, uh, not cutscene, um, side not side quest, main quest chapter. <laughs> anyway, so Let's there's be these honest, two guards. It was the main quest. <laughs> there, there were these two guards that uh, that are standing like guarding you from going into that area, but you can you can squeeze the character through those guards and get in there. At which point, something very, very interesting happens. So you can go into Wall Market without having blown up the second reactor, without having ever met Eris. And you're supposed to have Eris with you at that point, though, because she's the one that you do the next chapter with. Barrett and Tifa are supposed to be gone. But you're entering Wall Market with Barrett and Tifa in your party, and you've never met Eris. What? When you do that, there's some kind of weird, like, chapter se- chapter break check that the game does. Now, I don't know the full details here, but what ends up happening is because Eris has not been established in the game yet, it, like, creates her at this point. It takes Tifa and Barrett out of your party, and it puts an Eris into your party, but... Whoa. But she's level one, first of all, yeah, which yeah. isn't possible through normal gameplay. Normally, when you get in her in your party, she's a higher level. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, because you get her later than the start, and Cloud starts at level six in the game anyway. Um, so she's level one, and her name is Aerith with the Whoa. TH. Hang yeah. on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So is there anywhere in at this point in the disc? Where you can go to rearrange your party, where you can rotate level one Aerith out and then preserve her later on. Uh, I'm not sure what you're getting at, but this is when you're still in Midgar, so the PHS system is not a thing yet. The PH. Oh, you're right. Damn. Yeah, you get that when you leave Midgar. There are parts where, like, you pick party members, but it's all, like, yeah. scripted at that you're, point. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, I know what you mean now. Okay, fuck. So anyway, that though, the reason I... I... I need to know that that would have been, like, the way to do it, though. I feel smart having figured that out. <laughs> um. Well, so, so that's just, like, an interesting example of... Of like why so there is a skip right but it skips 
a section of the game that's like, okay, cool, like that's exciting. Wow, we saved so much time by doing that, and uh, and also it's got this really weird thing in the game that it opens up that's interesting. Um, so there's stuff like that, and then overall, the overall like scope of right. The oh, you mentioned the Cosmo Canyon skip. The other there, there's a couple other major things, uh, pretty major things that you skip. Um, if you drive the buggy just right, you can drive past. Cosmo Canyon without ever going in there. So really? that skips the whole like Red 13 backstory. Wait, hang on. Yeah, That's all you, you have to do is just drive it like to the right part of the geometry of the level? Uh, yes, but you got to do it just right. Um, there's oh, like yeah. a setup that the sleuths have figured out where, um, it involves like driving yourself into a certain wall that places your sub pixels at a certain spot, which there's not really pixels because it's a 3D environment, right? It's like a certain amount of, of units, you know, whatever. If you drive yourself up to a certain wall, it puts you in a perfect position where then if you drive using no diagonals, you must use only cardinal directions to drive all the way to Cosmo Canyon. And then it's like you drive up to a certain spot that puts you on a certain pixel and then you go up and then you go left a pixel and then up a pixel. And then if you get out of the buggy and then go back into it, then you can drive. It pulls past, it through. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So there. So so it's it's not super simple, but like it's pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, it's just a and, little hole. That's all. And yeah. And then that right. So that gets you. You don't have to do the the red thirteen backstory. You know. That's the beauty um, so, of a poly- polygonal model design. I would say because what's happening is it's you are taking the vertex at which a few different planes are joined to create a polygon. The vertex is the snapping point at which you can, you know, quote unquote, enter the vehicle. But it's pulling the vertex through that small couple little holes of area where you can pull it through the wall that you wouldn't normally normally be able to drive through because of the collision detection. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna get nitty gritty on how it works because I don't know. I'm just, I'm just like, it's, it's my theory, um, and I think it. I, I don't know. It, it, that's what it sounds like is happening, and I think that's a neat way of doing. It. I thought it was like some way more complex series of strings of events that you have to perform at certain times to skip Cosmo Canyon. I didn't know it was mm, as yeah. simple as just level breaking, which I used to do in Halo Two all the time. It's, it's a great pastime, but yeah. So there's one more like pretty major skip that is really weird. Um, so there, a- after you defeat Diamond Weapon, there's this, or, or and then you drive to the Northern Crater. There's this cutscene that like shows uh, Midgar again. You see like the Turks and Scarlet in the Shinra headquarters, uh, t- and they're talking about. Something, right? I forget what's happening in the main story at this point. Uh, they're they're talking though, right? And you are in your high wind in the at the northern crater. And at this point, it becomes the part of the game where you go back to Midgar, you go back through the Shinra uh, headquarters, and eventually fight Hojo, right? Hojo. Uh, yeah, the scientist guy. Um, no, I have, became- to, I, I have to say that every time because like this this crazy. Sega Gen or Sega Game Gear, Sega Genesis ad from Howard Johnson. Like it just it's kept saying Hojo every time that the fucking ad. <laughs> okay, so this is the weirdest skip though. Um, so during that cutscene where it's just a normal cutscene, you are nowhere to be seen, but uh, but it is a, a it is a shot of the of the chairman's the boardroom in the Shinra headquarters with some Shinra people talking, right? 
But if you just hold right and run on your controller while you're mashing through the text, you will just appear in Hojo's boss room and you fight him. Like, like for some room. uh for some reason there seems to be like somewhere like your character is like in space but you can't see him or something and you can move him and if you just move to the right you'll run into a barrier that is like the room transition into the Hojo boss fight. So that skips the entire thing of you going back to Midgar and through it. It's pretty crazy. It sounds like you just walked through the uh, the planetarium area of Cosmo Canyon to get through. Oh, hey, we also programmed Hojo's lab 10 feet that way, <laughs> spatially. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very weird that that's a thing, but it's a thing. So there you go. There's like three pretty major skips, but like, I mean, they're all, they're all relatively minor over the context of like the run, right? Like before this, before, you know, when these, when, before these skips were found, each of these parts of the game were probably like 20 minutes each, right? In the Mm. context of a speed run, you could speed through these parts like 20 minutes each, right? Uh, and so it's not, so, so it's like an hour overall out yeah. of what world record is a seven hour run, by the way, oh, I haven't mentioned that yet. The world record run is five minutes under seven hours. Um, so oh. I've got a long way to go before I'm any good at it, but, uh, but yeah, but yeah, as far as like strategy goes, here's the deal though. It's a really fun speed run because, uh, that's what uh, I was going to ask because I need to know <laughs> that you can spend that much time doing that all the time. So the 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 whole th- like strategy is that early on in the game there's this item called a grenade and you can buy them from shops and they're yeah. really good. They do like 150 damage at a time in the game where your physical attacks do something more like 50. Yeah, they they so, make the boss easy mode early on. Yes. So early game is about like grabbing high value items like certain uh you know certain equipment equipment and whatnot and just selling them at the shops and buying a bunch of grenades and throwing grenades at bosses uh there's some optimizations that you do have to think about like if you stack up a bunch of green materia on cloud that raises his magic stat and then he can use a bolt and then that reduces the number of grenades that you have to throw and that kind of thing uh or reduce the amount of grenades that you have to throw uh, because like, you know, let's say, let's say 10 grenades leaves the boss with 20 HP. Oh, you're just talking you know? about mathematically on the HP. Okay. I thought you meant yeah, like yeah. elementally or something. Oh yeah. Nah. Um, right. So, uh, so there you go. So, th- you know, there's little stuff like that. Uh, you also learn about like how to kind of use the ATB system to your advantage, which comes into play a lot later. Um, but then, so after you throw grenades at a whole bunch of bosses, uh, kind of the middle part of the game is that Cloud gets this sword called the Yoshiyuki, which gets more powerful if there's dead people in your party. So at that point in the game for a couple bosses, the best strategy is to just have one person in the party be dead, and then the other one person is kind of just a support character that uh, either heals or throws Molotovs or whatever, which is like the upgraded version of a grenade that you get later. And then Cloud is doing a decent amount of damage at that point by... Uh, attacking with the sword that's powered up because somebody in the party is dead. But you do have to be, like, even more precise about it than that. For example, the Red Dragon fight, uh, which is the... The uh, a guy that you fight like pretty much exactly halfway through the game, you fight Red Dragon and Demon's Gate, uh, and against the dragon, 
you want to like go into the fight having cross slash because cross slash can paralyze the dragon and if he's paralyzed then the death blow materia hits every time and the death blow materia is the command that either does a critical hit or it misses but if they're paralyzed it always hits so it's like you go into that fight with a cross slash mm. uh paralyze him and then you kind of abuse ATB to to get as many death blows as possible in while he's paralyzed which so how that works is can, that can you the go games... over what ATB means again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ATB is the thing that Final Fantasy four introduced, and uh, and it was a thing through nine, where it's like basically as time flows, every character that is isn't their turn yet, they have a bar that fills up, and once the bar fills up, their menu appears. You choose what their action is, and then it throws that action into the queue of all the turns that are happening. Right. Uh, and then when they finish their action, you know, once once the queue goes through far enough to get to that action that you queued up, and then they do their move, then their ATB bar empties. As time flows, it fills back up. And that's how the characters get their turns. Uh, having higher agility makes your ATB bar fill up faster, so you theoretically get more turns. Um, now, here's the big deal, though, is that, uh, that is what I just described is mostly ATB active mode. There is something, you can turn it on to ATB weight, which means that at any yeah. point where you are targeting or you're in a submenu, like you chose items or you chose magic and you're in that menu, then it stops all ATB progress as you're doing that. So if there are turns queued up, those turns will still happen. Uh, while you're in the menu that have already been queued up, but ATB bars won't fill during that time. So a huge aspect of speedrunning the game, as you might imagine, is that you have pretty underpowered characters because you haven't been fighting random battles, you know, because mm. uh, you run away from all the random battles. And, um, so, and so during this time, do you always maintain a weak or dead party member as well? When you have during this middle part where you're using the Yoshiyuki with Cloud, yeah, yeah, you want a dead party member. Okay, until uh, you find something that just works better. Until yeah, until later. Okay. At the end of the game, it's it's it, oh, it gets real good. But yeah, so so like the thing about ATB is that like let's say we're talking about Red Dragon, you just paralyzed him, and you want to maximize your number of death blows. What that means that you need to do is you queue up a death blow with Cloud while the other character has their ATB bar full also. So that uh, you immediately open like the item menu with the other character and hold it there because that stops the flow of time, right? The fact that you've got that menu open and you wait until Cloud finishes his death blow animation and hits it and then his ATB bar empties. And then you just exit the menu to allow his bar to fill up. When it fills up, you switch to him, you queue up the death blow and then immediately open the window again with the other character without without doing anything with the other character all they do is they op is you open the menu to stop time from flowing because if you think about it if you don't do that you queue up that death blow with cloud and then all of that time between you doing that and cloud's death blow animation and him jumping back all of that is wasted time that is yeah. the enemy's paralysis going away. But once you queue up the death blow, it's going to happen, whether ATB time is flowing or not, because it's uh. in the queue, right? 
So for all that time that would be wasted, you open up the menu just to freeze time, you know? And that way, because your characters are kind of underpowered, you can use, you can exploit that to kind of like maximize the number of turns that you are getting versus the enemy, you know? So it's like, even though it's a a relatively turn-based RPG, shit like that makes it super, super skill-intensive, you know? Because you got to be really good at managing the menus and doing that really well, you know, in order to not screw up and in order to get all your turns. Um, Yeah, and then there's just really interesting stuff about it, too. Like, for that fight, for example, you use a hyper on Cloud so that he's in Fury mode, which makes it so that you build limit bars faster. So if he ever gets hit, then he gets a a limit break immediately, and that means that you can do the cross slash again, and that means you can death blow again. Uh, So it's like all kinds of stuff. And that's just one boss, right? This is one boss, but all the bosses are super different from each other. Yeah. Um, So then later in the game, kind of the last thing that you do... Uh, Tifa gets this weapon called the Power Soul that gives her a damage multiplier if she is in critical health, and it also gives him a da- her a damage multiplier if she has Death Sentence on her, and they stack. So Death Sentence being that spell where it's like a countdown timer and you're just guaranteed gonna die? Yes. Okay. So so later, the whole like end of the run, or the whole latter half of the run, for the most part, is about having Tifa in critical health and death sentenced, and then she just fucking just wails on people. everything's <laughs> world. Yeah, um, it like so it and but the thing is, it's all about what I was saying about abusing the ATB, where you never want time to be passing. If Tifa is not gaining ATB, you know, I'm just imagining so ev- the fan art of like situations like this, where just like everyone just looking normal except Tifa is for some reason eight feet tall and five feet wide, built with just muscles, just ready to beat yeah. the shit out of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's great. She just punches everything's head off. Like like the first <laughs> run, the the first run that I ever actually finished, it ended with the last boss casting Supernova. Which, uh, like, I almost had him dead, right? But I didn't do it fast enough for for uh, uh, to to get it to kill him before he did Supernova. Which that does like a shitload of status elements on all your characters, and it confused Tifa. So he does his big attack that has like a two minute long animation because it's the last boss and it's his big attack. It confuses the whole party immediately. Tifa punches Cloud and kills him. <laughs> Punches my other party member, kills like him. confusion or something? Yeah, because she's confused, yeah. So she got confused. So I'm like, shit, They're like everything's ruined. She gets confused. Punches Cloud, kills him. Punches Sid, my other party member, kills him. This isn't one pu- CC though, right? What? Well, no, no, you can, lo- you can load the game. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so punches Cloud, kills him. Punches Sid, kills him. Punches the boss, kills it, and I, and I guess I won. <laughs> like it was so funny. Fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. <laughs> She's so, just and pissed with literally one HP remaining. Also, so oh, it, just, it was like one. Oh my god! It was the best ending to a, a run ever. Um, Wait, that was but, that was Sephiroth. That was the last boss, yeah. Very last thing in the game. Okay, hang on, uh, hang on. You just strategically answered that. I asked if that was Sephiroth, and you said that was the last boss. Uh-huh. What did I did I miss something? Am I am I not spoiling something? Huh? 
What? Huh? Okay. Never spoilers. Mind. We're All talking right. about speed running. Yeah, I don't know about spoilers. Whatever. Um, uh, for a game that came out in 1997. <laughs> also, Aeris dies. Knox. Aeris dies in the game. All right. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's what's nice about the speed run is that Aeris doesn't die because you never met her. She's still in the church <laughs> doing the flowers. That's right. It's like if there's enough gaslighting this- in the storyline already. It's like, oh well, hey God, she didn't exist. <laughs> well, no, she's still in the in the flat in the in the church with the flowers. You've got this weird Aerith yeah, construct that's- <laughs> that the game made when you went to Walmart. And that's who dies. This game uh, fucks with you actually super hard. And see, this is something actually. So when I was a kid, when I was trying to beat Final Fantasy VII, and I did, I did, and I did. <laughs> so okay. Just to let you guys know, we had dial-up internet in this time, so uh, my my way of beating this was almost every day calling my friend who lived down the street who gave, who beat the game and told me to get it when I asked, hey man, I like Final Fantasy VIII a whole lot, should I buy it? And he said, yeah, you'll love this game, get it. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And then I get home and find out it's not Final Fantasy VIII. But anyway, an hour a day I call this dude every day. And uh, (laughs) I didn't get it because he's helping me through it because there's so much shit that I don't understand story-wise. But mechanically, I'm understanding what's going on, so I'm enjoying the game. So, like, there is... I beat this game as a kid, but when Zack was introduced into the game... And then you telling me, well, you know, Cloud didn't actually do that. You remember that? And I was like, hang on. Because I had to draw back to my my childhood memory of beating the game. Hang on. Did Cloud actually do that? Or did did Zack do that? Is Zack real? I actually still don't know to this day is if Zack is real or if Cloud is or isn't real. And like the game is full of fucking gaslighting. And so pour that on pour, pour your pour your uh pour your st- uh, speed running on top of it and it's it's like yeah, hey, nothing fucking exists. Deal with that shit. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, definitely in like Final Fantasy 7 proper, um they there is not only is the story kind of confusing, but they do like deliberately lie to you about what's going on at yeah. some point. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty weird. Uh, and, and pretty tough to follow when you're younger. I had no clue, uh, you know, when I yeah. was, w- when I first played through it. Cause at certain points I was, I was just hitting, tapping X to get to the dialogue. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I just like, <laughs> he was annoyed that I was calling him. So I was like trying to rush through a cutscene. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm sorry. What, okay. What happens here? And then I'll let you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, you know, I, I, I just, I really like this run because it, I just think it's got everything good to, uh, good about it. Like, are you doing um, like a, all the boss runs as well, or are you just doing to um, the end? I'm just doing the the any percent okay. right where okay. you, you just beat it, but I'm doing the 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 console version right the original version because the pc version gets really fucky with any percent where like you you can do all yeah i i i haven't really watched it but i think it's like less than two hours the run and there's a bunch of wrong warping and shit and it's all that stuff that i don't like you know um but yeah the playstation version you actually play through the game pretty proper pretty proper and yeah i it's just it's got everything i like in it where um the soundtrack is wonderful so you get to listen to the soundtrack the whole time right 
And then it's like the movement, like getting getting the movement well around the maps and stuff to to be fast and efficient uh, in getting around and getting as few encounters as possible. Right. That's really fun. Like it's really tight, difficult mm. movement to do in order to minimize how much you're running around minimize encounters because encounters take a lot of time lots of invisible uh, walls because of the nature of a 2d game with 3d polygons <clears throat> yeah, yeah like right you really got to become intimately <laughs> familiar with like every screen and like yeah. not only not only yeah like where all the weird like little invisible walls are and stuff but also the fact that remember how final fantasy 7 would ju- would like change your controls every screen where, like, there are certain buildings that you go into that are at, like, a 30-degree angle on screen. Yeah. And they decide to have it move you, like, at the, an angle. You have to go, go in- with the jaggedness of the path, like, up, down, up, down, or, like, up, left, up, left, up, left, up, left. Like, well, like even... E- there's even stuff like so so there will be an isometric shot of a building in the game somewhere yeah. that's at like a 30 degree angle and when you press up it'll move you up at a 30 degree angle right and you have to remember that this building is like that where it moves you at an angle when you press up to to line you up with the building right but then there's another building in the same town that's like 45 degrees left and it goes left when you press <laughs> up, you know, yeah. and like you just there's all that kind of shit you have to memorize. Um, but then also like the uh, menuing, I think, is really fun. Like when it's like, OK, you know, for this next battle, we need to have all this materia equipped and just like really quick throwing all the material on. Oh, got to heal cloud real quick. I put the tranquilizers on the character so they take less damage. You know, like do all this stuff as quickly as you can, I think, is really fun. Hmm. And then the boss battles are all so different from each other that like the strategies to go into them is really uh, interesting and fun. <clears throat> um yeah, and there's just there's so much shit that can go wrong, but like you can account for it later, you know. Um, like my run today, there's one boss that's really weird, and I don't know if I have time to explain it because it's a very complicated uh, way to beat the boss, but it's also like insanely interesting. Um, okay, real quick, there's this boss called Materia Keeper that's like way too strong to beat uh, normally. I feel like I've encountered that one. And you you can't throw Molotovs at it because it's it. Uh, he's not like a little tonberry, is he? A no, little, uh, he's, lizard dude. Uh, no, he's big. Okay. Um, it's when you go back to Nibelheim as adults. Mm, uh, okay, and okay. and there's the reactor in the mountain. So okay, so this boss, like, basically, you can't really beat it with normal. With the at, at this point in the game, you you've been doing a lot of throwing Molotovs and grenades. Um, and then I think. Uh, anyway, so this boss, though, that doesn't really work on because fire heals him. Um, however, so this boss's HP happens to be 7777 plus three ticks of poison damage plus 99. Uh, whatever that is. That's how much HP he Wait a has. minute. So he starts with a poison debuff? No, he doesn't start with it, but that's how much health he has, and that becomes very important later. Okay. So <laughs> so if you were to do 99 damage to this boss plus three ticks of poison, he would be at 7777 health. Now, the thing about Final Fantasy VII is that it's got this weird mechanic where if anything has 7777 health, it all of its attacks do 7777. <laughs> you, you enter lucky sevens, and all of your attacks do that much damage. This uh. is the thing that's in the game. 
um, that's intentional. It's not a weird thing. It's 100% an intentional mechanic in the game. Seems kind of weird still. What's kind of weird and unintentional, though, is that poison is considered self-damage. So if you're poisoned and you have 7777, your next tick of poison damage will just do all sevens to you and kill you. Yeah. No, that applies to the boss, though. Yeah. So... The the way the 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 best fastest and easiest way to beat the boss uh, when you are very underpowered because you're running away from all the encounters and it's a speed run is you poison him. Uh, but bio does a certain amount of damage, right? Bio is the spell that poisons the boss, but it also hits for damage. So you have to look at Cloud's magic stat uh, and. Look at, uh, but you're not going to do 99 with your bio, probably, depending on your magic stat. I don't know. Uh, you're probably going to do more like 72 or something, right? If his magic stat is around a certain amount. And then if you punch him with Tifa, you might do like 25, right? And now you've done 97 damage to him. So then if you cast Mini on Cloud or Tifa, then their mini, you know, they become the status debuff Little, that's yeah. miniature, which makes them do one damage when they hit. Mm-hmm. So, like, the way to beat this boss is you got to poison him and memorize, think about how much damage that bio did. It did, probably did, but, but before you go into the fight, you have to make sure that Cloud's magic stat and Tifa's attack stat are at the right amounts for it to roll properly. Otherwise, you'll do too much damage. So, you... So you poison him, it probably does 70-some damage, then you punch him with Tifa, and it probably does 20-some damage, and you think about, okay, how much under 99 am I? I gotta mini one of my characters, and I gotta hit him for one damage at a time until I've done 99 damage to him, because then the fourth poison tick will hit him for a 7777, (laughs) because the third poison tick will get him down to that much health. But you also can't do it too soon. You can't do the 99 right away because then after the third tick, he'll be at 7777 and he'll hit one of your characters and murder them, you know? So, like, you got to time the last hit so that it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy complicated, right? Um, but, like, you can do this and it works and it's great. Uh, what got me talking about Materia Keeper? I don't remember. Anyway, point is. Well, that is way like, harder. Yeah, so, like, the boss battles are just, like, super skill-intensive, you know? Um, like, I was talking about ATB tricking before, where, like, you're you're holding yeah. time with a character. Like, that's all about, like, queue up the death blow with Tifa, then you defend with one character, and then hold a menu open with the other character. That way, you wait until everything happens, right? You wait until the death blow goes off, you wait until the other guy defends, you sit there with that menu open until their ATB bars have emptied out because the queue has emptied out of turns, right? Then... You can back out, go to defend, and then just hold confirm because Tifa's got the most dexterity. So she's going to get her turn first. And if you just hold the button down with your cursor on memory mode, she's going to repeat the death blow in as few frames as possible, you know? And that's going to sneak her in an extra attack before the boss goes. But then the boss does get to go. Now, if the boss is going, that means his ATB bar is full. So you can let time flow now because it's not giving turns to the boss because he's in his turn 
turn right now. So you need to make sure that you're not in a menu while the boss is going. Wait for the ATB bars on your team to fill up. Queue up that death blow. Queue up that defend. Open that menu. Then wait again, right? And it's like it's so, so heavy on the on, on skill of on menuing. execution, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's because like, you, you might not think that. You might think, oh, it's a JRPG. You just you run away from the battles and then you, you pick things off of a menu correctly. Nah, it's like super, you gotta be on your shit because hmm. so much stuff can, can I didn't know it you, got so. that intense with the timing. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's got everything I like. Good movement, good soundtrack that makes you want to play it the whole time. Fun boss battles, good execution. It's just a hell of a good run, man. I've been, I've been having a hell of a time with it. And there you go. That's Final Fantasy VII speedrun, and that's what I've been doing. It's been great. I just want to. I just want to say for for everyone. Uh, I feel I feel proud that I I think I was mentally cognizant enough to follow what you were saying, while everyone here in the live chat, as well as myself, were just going nuts over Mia just being the cutest goddamn cat in your lap. That no no one in the audio like listening to the podcast can see it, but like Mia is just this chubby little nugget of a kitty that is always in Dash's lap. <laughs> It's always yeah. distracting me. It's like, oh, kitty. She's cuddling. Yeah. She also, yeah. That that that's the other part of uh, speed running that is like extra difficult is having a cat on you the whole time. Oh god. And, like, fucking kicking at your hands the whole time <laughs> and licking me and stuff. And then sometimes also like we were talking about bathroom breaks earlier how there's like a certain certain cutscenes are like okay here's my chance to go to the bathroom but like man when you've got a cat laying on your bladder the whole time yeah it makes you have to go to the bathroom a lot more yeah yeah and also yeah. i remember there was one clip where she you were just playing a game just all chill actually like not even like going nuts or anything and then just claws and launch <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that happens because uh when when my fiance gets home she feeds her wet food you know mm, so yeah, like so she's excited like crazy yeah around that time of day every day she starts to get really <laughs> antsy and like bugging <laughs> me and stuff and then the moment that the front door opens she's fucking out of here you know because uh, she's got to be up there and getting the food yeah she's um, she's adorable as shit anyway um I guess there was uh two things I wanted to talk about. What we uh how long have we been going so far? We we've been going for an hour and 16 minutes so far. So, uh yeah, two things I wanted to talk about actually. It's a it's a 50/50 toss-up between two games I've been playing that I've been actually really enjoying and then also the fact that uh I guess we'll just start with this piece. Bit of news actually something we've been or at least i've been bitching about for a little bit sony fixes the c-bomb issue did you see about this yes on the ps4 specifically right specifically not the ps3 not the ps5 Mm-hmm. Or anything else that might be potentially affected by the issue of whether or not the... Okay, so for those who don't know, uh, a CMOS battery is a little like watch-style battery that a lot of boards will have to maintain power to the uh, to the memory, um, to maintain information, like your BIOS configurations, yada, yada, yada. Um, after about 10, 15, 20 years, a lot of those batteries tend to die and... Um, 
information gets lost. An issue with the PS4 and a few other consoles as well. <laughs> I see her too. Mia's cute. And uh, it, I've let, yeah. Mia's a... Well, <laughs> Mia. Uh, the battery actually... So when it dies is the... Uh, <laughs> You you lose the ability to use your machine essentially, like you you essentially have a bricked console. So the problem was, if uh, basically it's a fatal flaw in how Sony sets up their system with the way the trophy system works. So the, yeah. uh, the I don't know if you specified that when you say that you have a bricked system when your CMOS battery dies, you are specifically talking about PlayStation 3, 4. Correct. Yes, yes. Not other devices. Well, your X- Dreamcast just asks you what time it is every time you turn it on. Same as the Saturn as well. Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, but like the Xbox also, I want to say, has the issue. Xbox uh, right. One has the issue, I want to say. <clears throat> anyway, Sony has the uh, issued essentially a patch where the problem where when you turn your console on, it tries to the first thing it tries to do is get online to validate your PlayStation Network account with your trophies, like to sync that up. If it can't do that, essentially the console goes, uh, something's wrong. Fuck, we can't do anything. And then it shuts down any hope of you playing that game. Um, for what I understand. So they've patched the PS4 to where that is not going to be an issue, which I just got to say I'm so fucking elated about because it was Sony more than anyone who demonstrated that they did not give a shit, like, at all. Yeah. Like, they were like... Yeah. N- like it was, uh, it, was, it was their CEO at the time, or, or COO, I can't remember exactly who it was, who was quoted as saying something along the lines of, uh, why would people want to to play old games <laughs> like retro games? Yeah, when you asked me, like, do I think that they like when we talked about this a, a few episodes ago? When you asked me if I thought they'd fix it, I was just like, nah. Yeah. No, I I don't think they'll fix it. Not because, with that attitude. You know, right, yeah, and and um, I still don't think that they'll fix it for the PS3 because yeah. I really don't see a patch, a firmware patch for PS3 happening. The thing with PS3 is, I think I was right about it the whole time, which is, like, I was going to avoid that console in that entire generation the entire time because I wasn't imp- as impressed with the hardware as I was the generation before. So, like, I, it, it felt like a half step between generations to me. Um, so I, I, I was like, eh, I don't really want to do it. So, like, I think a lot of other people felt that too. And, and as a result... On the PS4, what did you see? You saw so you saw the era of the the HD remaster of the 60 frame a second or 1080p upgraded or upresed texture remasters of a lot of PS3 games on the PS4. I actually think that that started on PS3 though. PS3 had a lot of HD collections for of PS2. PS2 games. It did, like yeah. like Shadow of the Colossus uh, with and uh, Ico, yeah. And Ico, yeah. There, but, there was the God of War one also. There as was well. The silent, there was the Silent Hill HD collection. Um, I think there was a Jack and Daxter one. Uh, uh, what was the first one we just mentioned? Shadow of the Colossus and Ico. Yeah, Shadow of, yeah. so aside from those two, those are all pretty big franchise names, though, I would say. Yeah, I'm just saying the the, the PS3 was when I, first, you know, when I think we first started seeing a lot of 
HD versions of previous gen games. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I'm not arguing against that, but I would say I I, I feel like it's I, I definitely started paying attention a lot more around that time, so maybe I just noticed it more. But it, it felt like PS4 was like the console to get the the HD remasters of stuff like including ps2 games like that's you know they made the hd remaster of final fantasy 10 for final fantasy or for for ps4 <laughs> for final fantasy 4 yeah um but it's i don't know i i'm kind of satisfied with it because i still to this day have not purchased a a cheap hdmi switcher to strip um the hdcp code that you oh, can't yeah. defeat with PS3. So I to this day I've yet to stream PS3 games and I have not been that upset about it. <laughs> uh if you want to stream PS3, just use component cables <clears throat> into into an upscaler. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. I don't think I have yeah. component cables for the PS3 though, so I'll have to look into that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have RG I have an RGB SCART cable so for PS2. So maybe if I could plug that into my PS3, maybe it'll work. I don't know. So PS3 can do RGB, but only up to 480p. Uh, and well, that's, then, that's fine if it's going into an upscaler, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it could be, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, but uh, yeah, if you did get component cables, it, it's the same component cables that work for uh, PS2 also. Like, I, I use the same set for PS2 and 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I you know, the the but let me just say though the 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 HDCP thing uh, on PS3 and on and on PS TV as well like the Vita the, you know, remember the Vita that uh, no. the, there was the the so there was the PlayStation TV that was like a little it was like a Steam Link it looked like kind of um, but it was from before Steam Link but it, it was a little box that yeah. played Vita games I looked that into you it because like TV. people were saying that was like the only way you could stream Vita games like be, everyone was just saying just buy a t- PS TV but then I also right. read from everyone else that it doesn't have like a full software library compatibility it does not and also it's fully HDCP controlled oh so, fuck yeah yeah. So like I I got one at one point couldn't use it returned it uh, because <laughs> because of that yeah so um so yeah uh, it, it's bullshit that the PS3 and the PS TV uh, are fully HDCP so you can't use HDMI without doing some shittery uh, points but, up to Xbox for that generation because they yeah. they had a setting where you could turn it off. Or the Wii U just like only uses it if you're running non- uh, something like Netflix, you know? Yeah, um, I, I've noticed that too. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, uh, you know, if you uh, PS3, at least you have the option to just use component cables and you'll be fine. Mm. Anyway, so about the CMOS battery, they fixed it for the PS4, and that's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Super, super cool. And I guess. Um one of, of 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 two games I've been playing. One I have way less experience with, but uh, it is very fun. I don't really have much to rant about it yet because I haven't learned it enough. But I've been playing Dirt 2.0 Rally. I don't know if you've you've seen been getting that. into these racing games lately. I'm noticing. I actually don't think I have been. I think that's the only racing game I've played in a while. <laughs> what about Grip? You were telling me about Grip recently. Oh yeah, Grip is the combat racing. That's like a different kind of style of game. I, I, it's hard to consider that a racing game as much as a, a 
fuck you okay. up and let's get to the finish line together. Game. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. All right, so Dirt um, Rally. I have seen this game. I saw twitch.tv slash quad laser playing. Quad laser. Good mm-hmm. guy. Big, big, big fan. Uh, recommend everyone go follow him for sure. Um, hilarious guy, too. Does good music streams as well. Anyway, uh, yeah, Dirt 2.0 Rally. Uh, he and my good friend Evasive J also shout out. Go give him a follow. Oh uh, yeah. He uh, he and a few people I think uh, do runs like every weekend, trying to get like a, the best time on a certain track together, and it's just a fun little like between streamer fun thing to do. And I, strangely enough, being like the only car guy among that friend group, was like fascinated that these guys were doing this because I was like whoa hey this game like is completely different from sorry context free situation here a game i played earlier called dirt 3 which i got for free with a gpu i bought a while back and i put that in and like that game sucked so i was not impressed with the (laughs) dirt series at all like it was an arcadey game that looked realistic like, like it wanted to be a realistic sim racing game, but acted arcadey in the physics of it. Does that make sense? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's Dirt 3, but now you're playing Dirt, dirt two Rally point. 2? Dirt, it's, it's confusing. That was Dirt 3. This is mm-hmm. Dirt 2.0 Rally. Okay. And this game is not like graphically the most impressive thing, but it came out in 2019. But physics wise feels the most realistic to any rally game i have ever played and that's not saying very much because uh full full disclosure the last rally game i played was need for speed v rally on ps1 um which i did enjoy actually uh i was a fan back in the day but anyway um yeah this game feels like it like if it had like the little racing line that Forza Motorsport is known for, with you know, like the little green line turning into the red into a corner, it shows you like, hey, this is where you should start braking, this is the direction you should be turning, that sort of thing. If it had that, I would consider it almost a full sim. Because it you can feel the difference car to car between a Subaru Impreza WRX with all wheel drive and a rear-wheel drive, uh, like, Porsche 911 with rally headlights, you know? It's like, you can feel the difference in the vibration. Uh, I'm using a DualShock 4 controller, by the way, plugged in USB to my PC and playing that way. Uh, so it's very fun. You get the, the force feedback of the, the, the DualShock's vibration, and uh, the controls are pretty intuitive, normal. And I would say it's it's... I can't say much bad about it. It's I'm I'm just really impressed with how like <laughs> how <laughs> how into it I am as a car person versus everyone else who's just into it for the fun arcade and like like get down a good lap time for for it because it's also got very realistic damage physics. Like uh I can I can whip around a corner and my right rear corner panel on a right turn could drag a little bit too hard against a corner and hit and drag against like a berm or maybe a, cr- a cliff like a rock face 
and I'll have rear quarter panel damage back there. Or I could put a puncture in my tire back there and, and lose that tire, and then I now have to compensate for not having rubber on that wheel the whole rest of the race. And it's mm-hmm. like it you can feel the difference in traction from not having a tire versus having a tire. It's 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 not like a... Hey, if you turn right, you're going to go careening off into the left. It's no, you can actually control this. It's like it's like playing Microsoft Flight Simulator when your right engine goes out. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I could manage this as long as I know how to properly compensate um, in both speed and gearing. And it's it's impressive, man. There's a whole lot of depth to it going on that like <laughs> like other games just like kind of throw at you, but like think you're an idiot at. Whereas this game doesn't pretend you're an idiot. Like, um, I, I I don't suppose you're much of a car guy yourself, are you? Not really. Nah. Okay. So if I was to tell you what is wrong with the sentence, hey, I just uh, upgraded to forged pistons in my Mazda RX-7, would you have any idea of what's wrong with that sentence? Okay, so an RX-7 uses what's called a rotary engine. And so instead of a piston engine where, you know, you have a six-cylinder, four-cylinder, yada, yada, you got one... You, you got an amount of rotors, and you can think of that as cylinders, but it's not really. Rotors are just this big triangle, and they rotate. This triangle rotates geometrically in this oval shape that kind of squeezes in the middle. It's like a bean shape. So, like, squeezes a little, and it, like, rotates on a cent. Like, the crankshaft is is centrifugal into the center, and it doesn't move. But the triangle is moving all around it. And each area of the triangle is its own, quote-unquote, stroke of an engine. Like, a two-stroke engine, four-stroke engine will have its operation. Doesn't really apply to this. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into it. It's not a piston engine. So putting forged pistons into a rotary engine makes no fucking sense. And if you were to actually physically do it, you'd probably just blow up the engine because there's metal in my engine. What the fuck? <laughs> so okay. that's like a Need for Speed game that I can't remember the exact title for it that came out. One, I want, It was a PS4 game. Uh, on, on It was like probably one of the most <sighs> Need for Speed things. And this is where I will throw in my rant because this is where racing games I've, I've noticed have been going. Um Dirt 2.0 Rally that I'm that I'm talking about does not suffer from what I'm going to say that these these upcoming two games do suffer from. I'm thinking of the particular Need for Speed game that came out on PS4 that everyone went crazy about and it was like, oh my god, it's hyper realistic, it's so beautiful. And then I played it and I was like, what is happening right now? This plays like Midnight Club 2. And was it most wanted? A bad way. I don't know if it was most wanted or not. There was also one that that they it was just called Need for Speed, and they went they did like live action FMV cutscenes and stuff. I just did like the multiplayer because um, that's okay. what the person was playing was yeah, uh, doing at the curious. time. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could answer that though, but it was like yeah, like, super okay, realistic, so... like, hi, hyper hyper pretty. Um, like it, it never claimed claimed to be a sim racer, but it claimed realism. And of course, PS4 they're gonna boast graphics. It's a racing game. All racing games get like the the the, the wall thrown at it when it comes to the graphics. You have to make a racing game pretty. A because you can, and B because you have to because you know, you want to sell it as like a pretty game. Um, anyway, so the problem is every fucking track in that game seemed to be at nighttime and only in places where apparently it always is in a state of just having rained 
It's never raining, but it always just fucking rained. So there are puddles everywhere in the fucking street. And uh, when you turn, you're just like, whoa, this doesn't look accurate. Like if you were doing that in a real car, you'd be screaming for your life in your own vehicle, like just trying to take a turn because like that you'd be going careening off the road. It's insane. And what I'm about to complain about here is in, uh, we're transitioning games here now again to a uh, ride. This one is personally a little bit home for me because it's a motorcycle racing game. Excuse me. I'm not a motorcycle racer, but I have been in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> so, you're a I, motorcycle driver. Just I am a, I'm a, I'm a motorcycle rider, I guess is the word you'd use to say. I, yes, yes. I know how to operate a motorcycle. And I know how gravity works. And I know how centripetal, centrifugal force works. I know how counter-steering works. And if and most people don't actually know what counter-steering is. So counter-steering with a motorcycle, if you can kind of understand it, is the phenomenon that happens kind of below 25, 30 miles an hour, where when you turn left, your bike is going to lean left, but you don't have enough forward momentum to keep like the gyroscopic motion of you balanced. So you have to lean your body to the right in low speed maneuvering in order to compensate for the bike leaning left. So you're counter steering this way to go that way. Um, Above that speed, it doesn't matter. You just lean with the bike. You turn. It's all fine. Um, but it, it uh, I know how all those physics work on a motorcycle. And when I watched uh, a tweet of this video of this demo of the new ride game being advertised for PS5, I saw what looked to be, first of all, um, I'm a moto vlogger as well. For those of you who don't know, who on YouTube I have a GoPro camera strapped strapped to my helmet with a microphone in there that I scream into with my helmet, and I talk a bunch of shit and upload that on YouTube. Um, so I, I did that is how I started on YouTube. So I, I know how camera motions look and work on a helmet, <clears throat> mainly because I've had to edit them. I edit them a lot, actually. So I also understand that uh, there was a huge difference in camera technology when GoPro implemented motion stabilization digitally because it wasn't possible in as small a package as a GoPro is to implement, like, with a real gyroscope inside or, like, you know, with, like, a a liquid system. Um, But they had digital motion adaptive uh you know stabilization and it was actually pretty damn impressive to the point where like uh you couldn't notice the micro movements left and right uh or 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 side to side or up and down of my helmet for me to like adjust my point of view with my eyeballs to see into the you know where i need to turn and such and look at hazards and see my peripheral vision yada yada but like i noticed that and so the first thing when I saw this ride demo video was I saw the snap motions. It wasn't a smooth transition from left to right. It was like almost, you know, you know how birds will look from side to side in one quick motion. It was like that. It looked snap movements from left to center. But it was like a couple different frames. So it was like left to mid left to center and three uh, accelerating and then slowing down transitions. So... Um, it wasn't doot, doot, doot. It was doot with a slow motion and the doot with another slow motion. And then it was right there. So I noticed it looked like a real camera view that I was impressed with. 
and then I saw all the fucking puddles on the road. <laughs> and I was like, okay, ride cautiously because all my instincts are going, holy shit. All right, this, we're already going, whoa, whoa slow down. Because like, the rider is doing, uh, it was like 200 kilometers an hour, or whatever that is in real people numbers. It transitioned to way too fucking fast for how much water is on the road. And when you I. need a refresh. You're, yeah. you're talking about the game called Ride? Ride, yes. Okay. I, I said a moment earlier, I'm going from uh, Need for Speed to Ride. And then Ride, uh, we, we're on a motorcycle now. So water on yeah. the road is now twice as big of a hazard because we have two fewer wheels on the road. Yeah. So I'm turning. I'm in the, you know, the helmet cam perspective of this ride character turning into a roundabout because Europe has tons of roundabouts. This is the European MotoGP track, I guess they're on. And uh, dude's taking this turn at like on this roundabout, and it's not a round. It's not like a big roundabout that they put in the cities here in the United States to get people accustomed to roundabouts in places that would have never constructively been able to house them. So they're huge anyway. It's not one of those big roundabouts where you can take that thing and then just like lean your knee and, and grind your knee against the pavement at like you know fifty miles an hour. We're talking like, uh, hey, you need to slow down to like tw- like fifteen ten tops and then get around this roundabout. This bike rider character takes this turn at what looks to be at least 45 50 miles an hour with water all over the road and i'm like first of all you belong 50 feet that way over the barrier like what are you mm-hmm. doing right now after that he then stabs the throttle with his hand you know i say stab you know whatever but He's going fast as fuck, and then he does even more unrealistic turns after that. And I'm like, what is going on right now in the racing game development industry where good visuals equals has to have perfect mirror road reflections of puddles and shit, has to always be at night where you can reflect street lights. It's like we're substituting realism for prettiness in in, in in a game genre already known for being way prettier than a lot of other games already. It's like, I know I know these games aren't being... Well, like, okay, Need for Speed is not touted as, like, a simulation game. Ride is, though, kinda. Ride is, like, I would say the Forza Motorsport of, uh, uh, of racing sims for motorcycles. It's not quite, like, you know this you know obscure college developed you know game with like nintendo 64 graphics it just happens to have realistic car physics way more so than than almost like any other game on the market but it's not also like cruising usa it's not it, it, it meets those that perfect in between point between those two extremes where it's like it looks so good and it feels so good that you almost expect it to behave like a simulator game and, 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 and for that to just happen, for those insane physics to happen, there's no tires, there's no rubber compound on Earth that stays that sticky in one inch of eight-foot-long puddle. Like, you, you just can't do that. <laughs> and it's just, that's, that's my all-the-way-down rant for this fucking podcast. Okay, okay, I'm okay. tired of that so shit. So you're saying that there's this game ride. Let me, let, let, here, let, 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 let me cycle there. all the way back and, and, and cherry on top cap it off so to, to help you understand the context. Dirt uh-huh. 2.0 Rally doesn't suffer from that. It came out okay. just as recently in 2019. 
And uh, yeah. I mean, just from the nature that it's a mostly off-road kind of game anyway, you're not going to have a whole lot of puddles, but you do have mud. Mud is a huge mm-hmm. problem in rally racing. So, I mean, you do contend with that. And it's like, this game does that so well and doesn't tout itself as a simulation game as far as I understand it. But all yeah. these other games that do that same sort of thing are just so shitty at it. And it disappoints yeah. me because motorcycle racing is a much smaller, you know, like a, a, a subgroup of racing fan fandom. So you heard from a bunch of people that the new Need for Speed or this Need for Speed game was really cool and realistic and you played it and it wasn't. Uh, and that it, it, it was like that two people. Was, was that the thing with putting like pistons in your Mazda or whatever yeah, the hell yeah, you were yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where that, I was like, that was Need for Speed. I was like, what is this bullshit? You're like, what the fuck is this? Okay. <laughs> so then you tried Ride, which also appeared to be like, oh, it's a simulation. It's going to be so realistic and it's a motorcycle thing. Uh, but you found the physics in the game to be ridiculous and and uh, crazy. As um, as well as in the Need for Speed game, yeah. Yeah, but now you're playing Dirt Rally two Dirt two Rally, and you're very pleased with it. I'm so impressed with it that I feel like I can somehow feel the difference in 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 traction between my right rear and my left front tires through the vibration of the controller, just by knowing the spatial awareness of where I am in a drift in a turn. It's yeah, it's very yeah. impressive. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Now, uh, so I've watched a little bit of this Dirt 2 game, mm-hmm. um, and uh, man, I I almost couldn't watch it, because it's like you're watching someone drive, and all you're hearing is, is uh, four into a short left, over <laughs> a small jump, small long right into a yeah. 45 long over a little bump. It's like it's it's just constant talking the entire time. It's just it never stops talking to you. I'll tell you what, he pisses me off and I hate him (laughs) because here's the problem. I don't understand what he means. I kind of have to like it's and it's my fault because I didn't RTFM. I didn't understand what the lingo for rally racing was going in before. I knew that they do that because in American rally racing, at least the the Need for Speed V rally racing game on PS One that I mentioned way back earlier, um, the announcer is still sitting. Your navigator is still sitting right next to you, but he's going easy right, easy left. See, hard I've left. Heard, yeah, yeah. Hard left. Yeah, yeah. Totally, and you know, yeah. that was obnoxious, but it was helpful. Mm-hmm. I don't know what three right, three right into hairpin, left, total blind, don't cut, don't cut. And I'm like, don't cut. I, I'm off road. Everything is cut. <laughs> like, what are yeah, you yeah, talking yeah. about? So, I, so, I have to understand what, like, okay, three, does three mean it's a harsher turn? Is he telling me the speed I need to go into it? I don't know yet. I have to figure that out. Yeah, and so, like, if you're going to play the game, then, yeah, maybe you can just read the manual. But as, like, a viewer watching someone else, it's yes. like, I'm not going to read the manual to watch a stream of it. And wa- But watching the stream, it's like, it's it, it was kind of funny, though, because it's such, it's such incoherent gibberish <laughs> to someone who, who doesn't know what they're talking about, you know? Uh, and but but it's constant. Uh, but yeah. So but that's that's the thing though is if you are really into, I imagine if you're really into the simulation and you know what all the shit means, yeah. then yeah, it's really it's a lot of really good information. I'm sure that the game gives you while you're playing it. I will say when I was, um, I mean, I wasn't put off by that because I I bought the game long after I saw Quad and Evasive J stream it. Um. I I wasn't put off by the the navigator talking about the directions and instructions and such because I knew that was a thing. 
I didn't quite understand them, but I figured it would come to me eventually. But with the um, announcer, just as a viewer, it, I found it kind of just more immersive into the stream. Like it didn't bother me as much. Um, but again, yeah. I'm, I'm a car person, so grain of salt. I know most people aren't, and that would probably bug a lot of other people because it's it's probably like it's probably like for me. You know how like uh, 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 those things like football players will shout out before a play is played. Yeah, right. I don't know what the fuck that gibberish is. So it's right. probably the same shit to me. <laughs> yeah, and like I, yeah, and I, and I should like I wasn't super bothered by it. I should say like mm. yeah, I was kind of bouncing back and forth between like being amused by by like no the the knowledge that this makes sense to somebody, but it sounds so gibberish to me yeah. is funny, right? Uh, but then also, though, it was slightly a bit of like, uh, it's also kind of a lot. Um, so, yeah, it was a little a little back and forth. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, I have cool, another game I can cool. talk about. We have a, looks like we're still not at the two-hour mark yet. Yeah, hit me with it. <clears throat> I think I possibly have found a roguelike game that I'm into for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I tried, I saw on the, there was a Steam sale, and I saw a list on it, was a game that I've been interested in since I saw it, and I, I want to maintain that it was E3 that I saw it at, but there's a game called Phantom Abyss, I, I feel like you may have played this already. I have not played it, but I have seen it. Okay, so Phantom Abyss, for those who don't know, is a PC game wherein you, uh, so imagine... A roguelike version, and if you don't, and if you don't know what roguelike means, essentially it means it's a way to play a game that you start runs on, and the runs can be different from uh, each and every one. So it's it's you start with the same kind of idea, and every run is going to be different based on of, of what you do, whether you live, whether you die, what you do, and what run, what upgrades you choose, and here here and there. So it has that element, but it's like Legends of the Hidden Temple. Remember that old Nickelodeon show? No, like I, uh, didn't, I didn't have cable. Okay, well, I didn't either. I had to see it at my dad's house when I was a kid. But like, it was it was cool. Have you ever seen American Ninja Warrior? It's just one of these like you know, oh, yeah, yeah. fitness like. Can I run across this crazy cartoonish like foam obstacle course kind of shows? Um, except this one was like you know ancient Mayan Aztec like themed kind of ancient uh, South American Central American sort of thing. Uh, and it was, it's, it's kind of, it kind of follows that, um, you're like this Indiana Jones style explorer kind of character and you start off in a room with a, like an armory, a, a bunch of different whips. You have a whip and that's your weapon. Your weapon does one of two things. You can use it to grapple and, and pull yourself up from a place that you tie it to, or you can use it to hit something like an obstacle to say temporarily disable it for a couple seconds. So already it's it's my game. You start off with a whip. It's like Castlevania. <laughs> so I'm like hell yeah. And uh, the best way I can describe it was um, imagine playing Load Runner, but if it was a 3D first-person shooter game. So, I was going to say, I, I I don't know if you've mentioned that it's first person yet. Yeah, it's a first person shooter game that's not a shooter game, and it's 3D, and it's a full maze exploration thing. You run through, and here's the crazy thing. The thing that's exhilarating about it is it's actually technically an MMO game. It's, a, it's what they call a massively multiplayer asynchronous m- multiplayer online game. So what that means is when you start a level... 
you are starting with like 10, 20, 30 other players and they're all there with you running, but they're just ghosts of the runs that they have submitted. So there's all these people here that aren't actually playing with you. You're just playing with their exact uh, replays of their runs. So you can follow all these ghosts and, and do what they're doing or, or, or watch them as they fall into traps and avoid their traps. And it's fantastic like to, to strategize because <clears throat> there's so many different variables of what happens. Okay, so let me run you through the basic gist of how the game works. You start the game, you pick whatever whip you have. In the beginning, you're just going to have the adventurer's whip. The only description it has is you cannot lose this whip. And what that means is all the other whips are loot. When you say, die... That sounds like you can lose the others. Yeah, you can lose every other powered-up whip you can get in this game from dying. And you will die, trust me. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to grab this whip, and all the, the, this, this, bar, this, this barred gate door will open up in front of this World of Warcraft-ass portal. <laughs> and you run through the portal, and you, stall, you, you start... Okay, hang on. I don't want to spoil the story for you, even though there's not much story, but in the beginning, there's a big Mayan statue dude you talk to. His name is Altec, and he's in this stone prison. Like, he's got these shackled prison. He's like this big Mayan sphinx, but he's, like, chained to where he is. And he talks to you in a very slow, mumble voice. And even though I'm talking English, he just kind of goes... <laughs> and then you just read, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you read, uh, I'm a prisoner here. You're a prisoner too. You will go through this maze. You will get this relic. It will give you... Gra- it will grant you power for us both to escape. <laughs> and, like, you kind of just go, okay. And then you run into the portal, and then you go... <laughs> I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that relic. And there's 30 other people here and they're going all going, I'm going to get that relic. I'm going to get that relic. And the, like the level starts off by telling you, uh, the guardian of this maze is the eye of the defiler or something like that. And right off you go, Ooh, that sounds spooky. And he says, he looks at you. He shoots a beam of like, he shoots a death ray at you every seven seconds. And you're like, Oh shit, that sounds scary. And then you go in there and you're like, oh shit, okay, we gotta go, we gotta go, there's something scary here. And then there's 30 other people going, oh god, we gotta go, we gotta go. So it's like this big frantic like event of like people just scrambling, just like to go through the maze. And all of a sudden, what was this cool, chill, like Tomb Raider vibe, this Indiana Jones thing going on, is just like, oh god, run, run, like, oh my god, run, like we're gonna die. I thought it was going to be, I'm going to explore this cool little cave. I'm going to find some gold. It's going to be cool. It's going to be sweet. And then, uh, no, you get the immediate rush to just fucking run. And you have incentive to do this, too, because I think there are bonuses to doing it fast. But every chest that you get to before every other ghost that is unopened, you can hit with your whip. And the coins, instead of you having to go up to it and collect the coins, will just flow right to you. You can just run, run away. So it helps to get there first if you're fast. Now, you can see ghosts doing that, but your strat could be totally different, you see. You could have a, you could have a strat that goes, hey, you get uh, 30% more loot from chests. So you go, okay, well, hang on. Power-ups costs a lot of gold. So it might pay, quite literally, for me to slow down 
explore every last inch of every segment of this part of the cave that I'm in and get every last piece of gold that I can because then I'll be able to afford more power-ups. Because the problem with your 30% more loot is the debuff that maybe, say, blessings in between stages cost a little bit more. And so if you don't get all the loot for that stage, if you don't slow down and get all the loot for that stage, you may be missing out on your power-up to go through the next few levels. And that puts you at a huge disadvantage. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's this mind game of what do I do? Do I run with the crowd because I got what's known as a bamboo whip, which means... I get healed half a heart slot. And there's no healing in the game, by the way, except from the whips that you get. Like the bamboo whip heals you a half a heart every two seconds when you're around another ghost. (laughs) And then there's other debuffs from other whips that make it so ghosts can steal coins from you. So there's like so much thought put into how to do this simple thing from level to level just to explore to find a relic at the end and at the end you decide hey do i want the relic from this or do i go to the caverns behind this and keep going deeper into a new set of even harder runs and do i jump across this and i haven't mentioned this a whole yet whole lot yet into the in this because i'm getting in the theory of the game i haven't mentioned this whole, a whole lot yet but like imagine fall guys uh, with uh, 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 an nc7t rating <laughs> where there's actual like traps that would kill you where you have to jump and you you got a platform. These platforms collapse, so you got to make sure to not fall to your death. Uh, if you have a whip upgrade that makes it so you can whip longer distances, maybe you can make this jump in this certain area by jumping and then at the end of your jump, whip grappling across the chasm to get over to this area and get this chest and get this uncommon key. There's so much that goes into the simple premise of let me get to the end of the maze and get the relic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing I don't know if you've described so much uh, is, is I, I would say from what I've seen of the game is it looks a lot like Mirror's Edge kind of. I haven't played that yet, that, but I think so. Like it has a lot. It's very movement focused. Yes. Yeah, it, it's a it's a first person game where you are running on foot and jumping through obstacles and going through a course. Yep. Um and uh and and so yeah it's it's all about running in first person and then yeah you mentioned it at the very end there but you've but the whip <clears throat> is used in your movement yeah so you can if you jump at a if you're like jumping and you, you're not gonna quite make it across a pit but you whip like the edge. Uh, that you're not quite getting to, you'll like pull your character. It doesn't even have to be the edge. The ledge. It could even be just like five feet down from the ledge that you wanted to get to. If you can get like down there and then jump at the end of that, you can like grapple hand pull yourself up. You know, if yeah. you can catch, yeah. Essentially, yeah, it's yeah. it's a, your whip is a huge part of your navigation of, of every level. Yes, because it's gonna navigate. It's it's gonna be the thing that um can prevent you from taking a whole heart of fall damage uh, by allowing you to whip your way, grapple your way onto a ledge before you hit a, a floor that you just jumped down to. Or uh, and, and another big thing to avoid is fall damage. Fall damage is a huge thing uh, that can kill you. So what you're supposed to do is roll. So every time you fall from a high high thing you want to roll when you hit the ground so you don't you, you mitigate that damage um yeah but you can also, also very 
yeah. mirrors edgy. Yeah, exactly. And so you can also whip to 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 do that to save you as a as a first you know first response. So yes, it's very movement focused. And and what happens? What happens is uh, it challenges you if you're trying to take a chill run because like you'll be. <laughs> As soon as anything gets remotely dangerous, you start getting into an area of the maze where the guardian will come out and start trying to fuck with you or kill you, uh, or you're in an area that is a potentially very, very high likelihood of you falling to your death, but you got to get through it fast because there's like, I don't know, spinning blades that'll cut you in half that you have to slide under and then jump over. <laughs> Almost like classic, like Lion King, like the monkey scene um, in the beginning on Sega Genesis. Like there's lots of like crazy moments where the music will just begin to start picking up. Like, where previously it was quiet like you almost didn't think there was music in the game and then all of a sudden there's like this hard techno like with hard bass going and it's like oh fuck what's happening and like you're just like it's like like the tempo of the music picks up and it's like oh my god like you feel your heart rate picking up at the same time the the music is picking up because of the action that you're about to go through and it like it's a mind fuck because you know you're trying to go slow there's nothing in the game pushing you except for maybe trying to avoid like the guardian of that level maybe but you can do that pretty easy if you know what you're doing and yet the music is so good that it's pushing you to your to your to quite literally to your death at some time so it's yeah, like yeah. it's 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 the first roguelike game that i've i've picked up where it's been like holy shit this is great specifically because i've been always so entertained by like you know uh american ninja warrior style games like i i loved bonsai that was like the first one i loved and uh back in the day when i saw legend of the hidden temple on nickelodeon i was really and <laughs> i always wanted to wait, be on wait, one wait. of those shows are you talking about the show bonsai do you remember that yeah where it was Wasn't like, it like uh, a betting show was the idea of it like you yeah. would bet with your it was like it was like called I, I, I think in japan it was actually called it was like takechi's like hit or like haunted castle or something like that where it was a game show yeah where you'd have like these people doing all these fitness challenges wearing these like helmets where you know or, or giant sticks they'd fight over pits and stuff and like they'd fall into the mud or whatever if they couldn't hold their balance yeah and then it would be like could he get here place bets now or something like that right i'm pretty sure that's how that went right <laughs> yeah are you remembering something you know, different I- I no, that's well. So that sounds about right, but I, I think I just have very little memory of the show yeah. because I it remember it. Be, I remember it was called Bonsai, and yeah, the encouragement was that like you would be betting with the other people watching it. Yeah. Um, I I think that there were little uh middle challenges that that weren't necessarily like a physical challenge but with contestants but it was something for stupid for the viewers like um like it, it would be like a three card monty thing that mm. they would do that's just for the viewers right of yeah. the show of the TV show where um I remember one of them was like three ladies where two of them were had white underwear and one of them had red and they like closed <laughs> their kimonos right and then like spun around and you had to you know get oh where's the red one you know uh Dude, and J- Japan I, is on a whole other level when I came to well, game and shows. that's the thing is I, I think in my in my very young mind when I saw this show, I think that's the only thing I actually remember from it was that particular thing. 
uh, and I don't remember anything else that happened. Well, it like, was, if a, there it was were, a like, good show, I, I would say. There, there were, like, physical challenges and stuff, because that sounds great. Um, it was, like, I, my exposure to Japanese culture at that age, at that time, with cable, at that internet availability, was Bonsai and Iron Chef. So... <laughs> okay, yeah, the, yeah. I found both of them entertaining. Well, I... But, yeah. I mean, it's, like... It, it it has those it has like a game show kind of feel without any of like the happy like funny comedy antics of a game show it's just that right. crazy maze running fun platforming am i gonna fall to my death or am i gonna am i gonna find treasure and get a gold relic at the end and ah oh, man yeah it's, so it's, now you're back in phantom abyss talk so yeah. i was gonna ask okay so the, how the game works is you you start you you jump in and it's like okay here you go here's your level and you try to play through the level let's say you get to the end of it and there's a so the idea is you platform through and there's a relic at the end of the level what happens when you get to the end of the level well you can go into the room where there's a relic which i've only ever gotten once and there was one of six relics in there and a person in my twitch chat at the time said uh, it was actually Vegan Tyler, actually. Shout out. Great guy. Uh-huh. Uh, he said um, when he played it at the time, there was only one relic. But there was like six of them in there in that time. And they didn't mm-hmm. seem to do anything very different. It was kind of just a matter of, oh, man, I'm sure I just have a shitty memory. And maybe there is an upgrade or something that it gives and I can't remember. But I don't want to say that there was an upgrade. It was just like choose whichever one looks cool to you or something that's that was oh, my so decision you, you, you get it and you did it you get it you so get how it do you get- and you did it i think i think maybe you get a whole bunch of like uh uh, uh uncommon keys as loot with it and so what do those do and I think it also gives you your first upgraded whip for free that you don't have to pay for. So you get uncommon keys. There are also rare epic keys as well that you get from, uh, like, remember, remember how I said, like, you can go into one room, there's the relic, there's the other room that you can go into, which is just the door to the caverns, which is just the next segment of, like, five stages that you have to go through. And I mm-hmm. think that's probably where you start getting rare keys and then epic keys in the next chamber beyond that. And that's almost like, it's it's almost like, do you want to take the relic or do you want to go further and challenge yourself and get an even more powerful relic after the caverns. It's like it's like almost like a is that your final answer? <laughs> kind right. of question. Well, or, yeah, like what I'm what I'm struggling to figure out is, is what the relic you, does. Yeah, if you choose to say I got the relic, I'm mm-hmm. then you're just done and then what does it do? Well, like Nothing. I said, I I can't remember exactly what it does, but I know for a fact that I got at least 100 uncommon keys. And what the uncommon keys do are uh, allow you to purchase whips so you can okay. purchase the new upgraded whips but like i think you're only going to see the ones that are available to you for the uncommon keys so like maybe if as i get better at the game and start going into the caverns and start getting rare keys maybe more powerful whips will start to appear or maybe <laughs> yeah, like i'll have like more like bigger like maybe just more slots because like, you start in the same area and then like you just go you progress so you're going to accrue your upgrade slots so hopefully you get the treasure that you need to to accrue blessings in between each stage such that you are powerful and you know you're buffed enough that you can make it to the harder stages later on and it's a bummer because like you know unless you get a whip that gives you a healing ability as far as i've seen so far through the game there is no way to heal yourself 
other than getting the blessing at the end that either A, increases your heart slot count and just gives you another heart with it, or B, just heals you a heart slot. And Mm. usually that's at the expense of the other choice. You get one of two choices. You get heal or, you know, another additional heart slot or something like, would you like a longer whip? Would you like a quicker whip? Would you like a chance to not take damage on any hit? Would you like to never get fall damage? You know, you you have to make these choices of of the buffs you get and, and really understand your style of play and what you like doing and what you find to be most useful in getting yourself to the end to where you can at least get the first stages relic. Yeah, and that part sounds very, very roguelike. Yeah, there's so uh, much to figure out. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. I th- I, yeah. Just being that's kind of I, I guess why I'm fascinated by it is because roguelike to me translates to simple, but like mm. there's a lot of factors which I'm starting to understand. Maybe the appeal of roguelikes <laughs> that mm-hmm. go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the the roguelikes that I've enjoyed are because there is a lot of decision making and a lot of uh, layers of complication, totally. And I still need to try Hades. I know everyone says, like, that's the roguelike to try, as far as Eh. I understand. Really? (laughs) Oh, man. The master says, yeah, okay, cool. Well, I'm not a, I'm no roguelike master. I, I, like I've said, I, I kind of don't like most roguelikes. Yeah, you're a platformer. I think. Right. I just really, really, really like Binding of Isaac. <laughs> True. Yeah. There's a couple other roguelikes that I've liked a lot, though. Like Slay the Spire is, mm-hmm. I, I really like as well. Hades, uh, I don't know. I um, I thought Hades had some really, really cool stuff in it. Like uh, the, the writing in that game is super good. And like the way... The way that the roguelike element of the game is written into the story is really cool. As in, like, when you die and you respawn to try again, it's part of the story. And, like, this, if you defeat a boss, you'll get, like, a cutscene of, of them. Oh, God, you beat me, you know. But then, like, the next time that you get there, after having died the cutscene that you get will be different and it'll acknowledge the fact that it's not the first time you've seen them, huh. right? And then later, when you start to get to the bosses and there's a cutscene in front of them, they'll start to, like, reference things that happened on that run, you know? That kind of shit, really, really, really cool. The game has, like, a ton of dialogue in it that's very dynamic and very cool. I just thought that the combat got really dull really oh, fast. Oh, yeah. repetitive. Um, yeah, and like there isn't as much decision making in that game as there is in something like Isaac. In something like Isaac, it's like you're on a, a randomized floor, and it's like, okay, I gotta find the treasure room to find my item. I gotta find the shop. You know, do I have enough keys for the shop? Hey, there's a gold chest here. I could open the gold chest, but that would cost me my only key that I might want to save for like the shop. The shop might have a key that I can buy in it. Then you know to come get to this gold chest, or this gold chest might have a key in it also. So there's like a risk reward there. Oh, you know, I've got actually. Can I bring that up? Uh, sorry, um, about mm-hmm. Phantom Abyss. There is one thing I, I do have a gripe that's sort of like that. It, it's kind of bullshit. There will be areas of that game that I think are... And again, it could just be because I'm a noob and I haven't gotten too far into the game, but there are areas of that game where you can legit pay 100 gold that you find and just skip a whole section of like obstacle course. And that sounds good on paper. Like... 
I think you should be rewarded if you had enough gold to and say you're like low on life and you don't want to take a risk or something. But the areas that the game does it in is like, dude, it's like ten feet of hallway with like one easy thing to just walk around. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is a booby trap for you just being stupid and losing money. <laughs> like, don't do oh, that. Sure. Why would you go through that? Anyway, small gripe on that. I hope that improves. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But yeah, yeah. I, like one thing that I love about Isaac is just that management of consumables and all the de- all the decision making between where are you going to use your bombs, where are you going to use your keys, how are you going to spend your money, uh, you know, and just the exploration of the floor, finding the shape of the floor. Over here is where this item is, and over here is where this room is, and all that kind of stuff. Hades is. Um, it's like you go into a room and you fight enemies and then you did it. You fought the enemies and you get a little reward. And then it'll say like, okay, so there's two doors you can go into. And it tells you right now, if you go into this door, you'll get this. And if you go into this door, you'll get this. You know, So you make a decision right there of which of these two things do I want. And you go into that room, you fight the end. You, you can't go back. You know, It's just a linear... It's, you know, it's not linear in that, like, you're choosing your path, but it is linear in that there's no backtracking, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, you just choose what reward do you want next. You go into that room, you fight the enemies in it, you get that reward. Then it's like, okay, now you can have one of these two rewards. So you pick the one that you want, you fight the enemies, and then it's over, right? So it's just like a series of fights. Oh, and that's all it is, you know? To, not a whole lot to figure out, is um, what you're saying. Yeah, and so I, I found I found that to be like not super engaging. Um, Let me ask this: um, the combat itself, though, was it? I, I want to say it was developed by the same developer who made Transistor, was it not? Correct. Yep, and Bastion. So and Pyre. He, I've heard great things about Bastion, um, but I, I've played Transistor. I didn't beat it, and I was told I, I need to go back and play it so bad because I need to beat it because it was so good, but. I enjoyed it from what I played, but from what I remember, Transistor, Transistor had this cool, like, freeze, like, you know, stop time mechanic. You decide the pathway you're going to take, and, like, once you draw that line of movement out, you can choose an action based on whether or not you have any any action points left based on how much you moved. Um, I liked that. It was, like, a slow-down strategy kind of, like, way of doing things in uh, uh, an actually high-action kind of scene. So... I wonder, is Hades anything like that, or is it just like hack and slash? Uh, yeah, Hades is much more hack and slash. It's, okay. it's, mu- it's much more action-based, you know, dodge rolls and all that kind of stuff, um, which is like, okay, uh, this is where it's like, you know, I, I uh, personally, it's not my thing, which is also why I was kind of down on the game when I played it. Mm. It's because I also don't really like... I don't really like stick shooter controls in general. Uh, would you say it's like, fair to? Would it be fair to call it a little bit closer to Diablo than it would be to like Transistor? Yes, okay. I I I think it would be fair to say that. That's but a weird you have more direct, but you have more direct control over your character, though. You know, okay. where it's like uh, where you know you 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 move your character with WASD or with your left stick, and then you shoot or, or or not really shoot but like attack with either your mouse click or your right stick um oh. you know and it's like and it's like in the air you know and and i i'm just not really into that style of controls i just realized um, how that sounds like it'd be really fun to play with my fight stick actually like little mm-hmm, arcade mm-hmm. controls 
Yeah, try that. Well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how it, how it would work with that because you don't uh, need two sticks, right? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, if you got two sticks. No, I'm saying uh, you, you don't need two sticks. Isn't it just a static camera? Well, so you move your character isometric angle yeah, view with exactly. one stick, right? Then, then, but you you can attack in any direction. Oh, so, yeah. So you're gonna need, yeah, you're gonna need two sticks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah. Uh. You know. It, so it's that kind of thing. Now, I like if 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 that doesn't bother you, cool. Then you'll probably like the combat more than I did. But I really don't like that kind mm. of control style. Yeah, so fair enough. that was also grating on me while I played it. So yeah. Um. That was my experience with Hades. Sorry, I didn't like it. <laughs> you can like it. I'm glad <laughs> if you like it. Cool. It's I really did. Good Sorry. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you seemed like uh, last time you were you were you had a whole bunch you wanted to talk about. Is there anything we missed this week? Uh, not really. I had I I I had my Final Fantasy VII talk. And that's, yeah, you've that's been going you've been going ham on Final Fantasy VII. I know that. Oh, it's it's so good. The speed run is so good, and I I I said a whole bunch about it already. It's gotta be. I, that's 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 kind of what I was getting at earlier. Is like I like final, I love Final Fantasy VII. Speed running it though, I feel like it. Just saying that it's uh, you're gonna sit down and do something for at best like eight hours, like on an average day, is like holy shit. That seems like work. But then it, thinking it, about yeah. it, it's like oh man, there's there's a lot of decisions making, it, it, or it seems like there'd be a lot of decision making at almost every moment in the in the game so it's like you know it seems like it probably doesn't pass by like eight hours yeah i mean there are a lot of parts where you're just mashing through cutscenes, though mm, you know, probably yeah. I, i'll you know I'll, I'll i will say that it might even be half the run you know if you're really <laughs> if you're really add it all up Fuck. I, I probably like half the run is just mashing the circle button through cutscenes. jesus that um, makes it so much more frustrating in my mind now <laughs> i would not sit through that fuck but uh but but yeah yeah i mean the the parts where you're making decisions though it's so like today oh man remember i was talking about materia keeper how you got to do exactly 99 damage yeah. to him plus your plus your poison plus your poison dude on the on the run i had today for some reason randomly cloud's magic stat was like fucked up high where like it was really it was way too high Why? you know because like well because when you level up it's kind of ran- it's kind of rng what stats go up oh, you know okay. And for some reason today, you know, everyone's different. And for some reason today, Cloud's magic stat was just fucked. So (laughs) I had to, like, I had to take all of my green materia and stack it up on Tifa to lower her strength as much as possible. Because otherwise... counterbalance the damage he was doing. (laughs) Yeah, so I could get the 99 damage that I needed perfectly. Did Um, it work? Yeah, because... It worked, yeah. Mathematically, um, to, it came out exactly to what you needed to be. What the yes. shit, dude? What really? Uh, it came out just right. And That's it, so lucky. It, it's funny because normally you would use the mini spell with, with Kate Sith after mm. you, um, you know, to to do the one damage that you need afterward. Mm-hmm. But, like, I needed that magic. Because when you equip Materia on a character in Final Fantasy VII, it lowers their strength and it, and it increases their magic. Uh, a green Materia yeah, does that. Yeah. So I needed that on Tifa to lower her strength even well, you more. Also get, you, know? uh, you, get, you also get the one damage thing from, from, uh, from Frog, right? Yeah. Oh, that's the same spell. The Transform mini? Materia does both of those, yeah. Oh, it's thought... Mini, and then when you get enough AP, it upgrades to, tran- to, to, to Toad. Toad. 
Oh, yeah. so it's like a guaranteed toad every time or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, um, I think it's different in other Final Fantasies anyway. Yeah, I, yeah, I, but yeah, mm, so track. it was just, it, it, you know, to like all that kind of decision making I just loved where like it actually worked out like, oh shit, Cloud's magic is too high. I need to put all of my green materia on Tifa to lower her strength. Shit, it's still not enough. Wait a second. I've got transform on Kate Sith because he's the one that's tra- uh, doing the mini. I need to put that on Tifa and change my strategy so that she's the one casting mini now because because the green has to be on her to lower her strength. Yeah. And it worked. It was great. It worked. You know. I feel like I would lose hair after this run. (laughs) It seems really stressful to make all those decisions for so long a period of time. Yeah, and you have to make the decisions fast, and you have to do your menuing fast. You have to to time your menuing. Man, Mm -hmm. that's different. See, man, this is just one more thing. If you like something like that, just one more thing added to the list of reasons I think you unjustifiably don't like fighting games. <laughs> it's not that I don't like fighting games. Or they just that, don't play them. Well, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it's right. You're, you're right, though. It, it's one of those things where it, it's another thing that would take a lot of time of practice, and I am playing Final Fantasy VII instead. <laughs> I would say differently. So there are two kinds of... Well, there's multiple kinds of fighting game players, of course, but like the two kinds of people I come across the most are the kinds of people who will play like one game religiously, who would do what you're saying, take hours and practice and learn just that game and then get that game down to the wireframes, you know? And then there's players like me and our group of friends who just get together and play like it make it impossible to learn a game because we just play a different game all the different time and just explore the mechanics of every different game and appreciate the amazing graphics that like arcade hardware could do that like consoles couldn't do that because arcades were dying back in the day nobody ever really went to arcades to appreciate these kinds of games it's insane like what you can just do from game to game from the concept of two characters fighting each other it's it's fun to explore that let me tell you about the experience I had the one time that I tried to get into a fighting game, all right? So, like, this is not including when I was a kid and I played Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, when I got a 3DS, I bought a 3DS right away. This is already uh, a red the, flag. We're talking about 3DS. I'm talking about fighting yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I bought a 3DS right away back when they were super overpriced and no one bought them and everyone thought that the 3DS was a joke because they already had the DS. Was it the first gen? about... Who cares about 3D? Yeah, first-gen okay. 3DS. Um, but I bought one right away because I love handhelds. Now, there weren't any games on it yet except Super Street Fighter 4. They put Super Street Fighter 4 on the 3DS. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'll try to get good at Street Why don't I get good at Street Fighter? So I, so I picked up Street Fighter, playing it on the 3DS, and I went to the training mode. And the training mode was like, oh, like all right, we're going to learn some combos, all right? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, and they're like, first punch the guy. I I punched him. I punched him real good. <laughs> and then it was like, uh, and it was like, all right, now kick him, easy, right? And then it's like, okay, okay, now you're gonna punch him, and then you're gonna kick him. And I'm like, okay. And I did that, right? Then it was like, now do a quarter circle forward, and you do a little backflip kick. And I was like, cool, right? Then they're like, okay. You're going to do that punch kick that you did earlier and then follow it up with the quarter circle. And I'm like, oh, this is getting spicy. (laughs) Couldn't do it, right? 
Mm. And I, I and th- at that point, it's like they got the list for me of here's what you do. And I'm like, I did that and I did that. Like, I, I know all the parts of this. I learned all the pieces of this. But after I punch and kick and then when I do the quarter circle forward kick, it's like I'm doing it. The character is doing the backflip move that it does when you do that. The kick is going through the enemy and the enemy is in the air helpless but it just doesn't fucking hit him. Yep. And I'm like, I, and I, I sat there and tried it for like, you know, probably 30 minutes. Right. And I never went back. And that's, that's <laughs> what I think fighting games are now. So is yeah, it's like, you nope, are... nope, you got to do it at the exact right time. Let me just, okay. So let me tell you some good and some bad news. The good news is Let's start with the bad news. The bad news is that you encountered uh, early on, and this is good, this is important, you encountered something that is very important to know in fighting games, which is that the animation of your character has absolutely nothing to do with the time and and in some instances even the place of where you hit your opponent. On, on their body. Um, and, and the reason for that is you have what's called hit boxes and hurt boxes. And like you're going to have your boxes where you can get hurt. And then your hit boxes are when you do an attack. These are the boxes are the wireframes that are invisible that yeah. move to where your attack is going. And if their hurt box is where your hit box is, they get hurt. Yada, yada. Uh, okay. So you experienced that very important lesson very early on. The problem is you experienced it on a game that in my understanding and in my experience, I've only played ultra street fighter four. I've heard only that street fighter four got good only in ultra. So super street fighter four or street or street, street fighter four champion. I want to say, I can't remember exactly what the version history was, but I've heard that they're very, very not good. Um, they introduced what was called negative edging, which is, um, well, I didn't introduce it, but essentially it's the mechanic of, uh, I think I've talked about this before, where your attack will only execute after you've released a button versus when you've pressed it. So you yeah. can hold down and just hold it, hold it forever. And then a button, like a punch will come out as soon as you let go of it, like an hour later. You, as long as you don't get hurt and fall to the ground, you have it charged the whole time. So they introduced that. So those two things are already working against it. And now you're telling me you played the version... <laughs> That was on the 3DS, not even yeah, like yeah, the yeah. the console version where everyone would be playing it. But it is intriguing though, because like thinking about it, the 3DS, in my opinion, um, had a pretty good analog stick. You know, like a, a simulated analog stick, like in that yeah, it wasn't yeah, a yeah. stick. It was, it was better than the PSPs. It was like a little Oreo wafer that you just slid around, and I I I, yeah. I did like it a lot more than the PSPs for sure. Um, and that's probably why I have fond memories of it because I tried the PSP and I was like, "What is this shit?" And then I tried yeah. the, the, the 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 first gen 3DS and I was like, "All right, this is impressive." I thought it was pretty much just about the same workability as the N64 analog stick, and and there's nothing wrong with the N64 analog stick except for maybe its long term durability. Uh, I I think a, an analog stick is a lot better. Like the Vita analog sticks, just yes, those are great. Blow it out of the water for sure. Know, those feel super good. The 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 3DS's circle pad is 
okay, but I wouldn't say it's as good as a N64. Well, the reason I say I liked console. it is um in that I'm interested by it is because when it comes to fighting games you you the thing about fighting games is you're taking a stick movement um which is a 2D thing and you're you're putting it onto a control here that was meant for the movement of a 3D space. So like you know, you're taking a movement. It's the same stick. It's you know the same concept of a of a stick, but it was meant for like you know, 3D Zelda games. Uh, it wasn't meant to do a dragon punch or a DP as it's known. And 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 for what I mean by that is a forward, down forward, uh, uh, forward down forward motion. So like, you have to make a Z motion. So like forward, the stick returns back to neutral. And then you gr- like jam it down into the right corner of the gate, and then like, wouldn't hang on, <laughs> making sure I got that right. So yeah, left, yeah, left, and then down, and then another left, and then up again with that motion. I'm sure I got that wrong because I'm awful at translating these, you can these use motions. Quarter to my brain, circles yeah. with me. Is it a quarter circle? Is it like right and then quarter circle for like so? Forward, quarter circles quarter are circle much forward? easier to do. Is what I was saying uh, when I, when I was bringing up a DP motion uh, is because it's a more complex stick motion than just oh, a quarter okay. circle motion. Because a quarter circle motion is you just go down and then slam it into the gate and then go up and then right yeah and then this is going forward and, and then, then forward forward down forward so in and no di- no diagonals are allowed well hang on so there is a diagonal involved it's when you take uh the stick from neutral to the right if you're thinking forward and then mm-hmm. you take it back to neutral and then you take it down uh-huh. and then while down you jam it right back to the right again you see what i mean so a quarter circle no, so you're it, saying it's it's a quarter circle after quarter a forward. Circle forward. It is a forward and then quarter circle forward. You're right with yeah, that you notation. Just say forward quarter circle forward. Yeah, Boom. but yeah, but that would that wouldn't translate to how most people like communicate in fighting games. Most people just say DP. <laughs> DP okay, just means well, forward well, yeah, quarter yeah. circle forward. Yeah, we're deriving DP here. Yes, we are. Correct. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I got you. I got you. So for the first gen 3ds. I feel like that stick could do it pretty workably, but I mm-hmm. don't know that it's going to be anywhere near as good as just using an actual stick. I think I was using the D-pad. And that's perfectly fine. Is what I, that's what I was going to say next, because the D-pad is the next best thing, because that's just a direct digital input of, yeah. you know, you can, just, you can just roll your thumb and get that motion just fine, yeah, yeah. And, that, and you wouldn't have to move at all. But yeah, anyway, so Street Fighter, it 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 immediately introduced the concept to me that it's like, oh, it, this isn't a game where like we can tell you to do something and you do it and it works, uh, and you also can't look at it to tell whether it's working. It just works if you do it just right, and it's going to be about an hour of trial and error to figure out what is just right. Half for true. this one thing. <laughs> half true. Half true. So you do look at it to know what's going on and what to do when, but you're not using your characters. Not you're not necessarily using the spatial uh, uh, positioning of where your character's animation frames are moving. You're using mm-hmm. them for timing reference data in your brain, and you're translating that to your hands. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yes, but you have to like memorize it using external information. You you can't. Yes, you, you know what I mean. Yes, and, and that, so that's, that, that's that's the reason that fighting games have such a big like uh uh. uh uh, what's the word uh skill ceiling like you know like a skill wall you have to overcome uh first of all there's a lexicon like you can't like i can't walk up to someone and and and, ha- and tell tell them something to impress them be like yo this one time i backtrack walked or walked up three wa- i backtrack walked up a 720 uh rotation uh spd into an ultimate after that like that they won't understand what the fuck that means like mm-hmm. it's it's like it's there's 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 so much things that you so many things that you have to understand what an acronym even means with like a stick motion in your head before you can comprehend the rest of what the fuck they're saying. And then you have to decode the rest of that sentence then too. So it's like, there's a big ceiling of knowing what is what. And on the very surface level where beginners enter, it's just like, Oh, I'm going to hit you. You're going to hit me. We're going to have a fun time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's except sometimes when you hit them, it just doesn't work for some reason. Yeah. Why? Oh, well, the I don't know is the, <laughs> the the insanely fun part of the game. You have to figure that out. You have to figure out why didn't I hit when you did that? Why does why is it when I cancel this move? What okay? Why is it that when I roll cancel into a taunt, all of a sudden your fireballs can pass through me and I don't have to jump through them anymore? You know, mm-hmm, there's lots mm-hmm. of there's so many dimensions of different things that can happen on a per game basis. You know, yeah, I could so see it being really cool. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't have any more games to talk about this week, but I, I kind of want to explore Phantom Abyss and, and Dirt 2 Rally a little bit more. And uh, All right. A- anything you're looking forward to? Metroid Dread. Um, When's that coming I've out? All, uh, in October. Oh, so not um, like within the next podcast time. Right. Yeah. I've also been thinking about like all of this seven speed running has been kind of making me want to do another casual run of that game to like actually absorb the story once again, you know, and then I was thinking, OK, if we're going to do that, maybe I should play Crisis Core again for mm. PSP because I, I haven't played Crisis Core since it first came out. I've never and, played it. Uh, I need to. Yeah, you know, it it might be interesting. I I remember I remember really liking the story elements that concerned Zack and Cloud. I thought that like that stuff was really great. Um especially I remember the ending being super good, but the game focuses a lot on these other characters, Angel, Genesis and some other doofus, and I remember hating everything that had to do with those characters. For some reason, um, I don't know why, but for some reason my brain registered doofus as his actual name. <laughs> In game, <laughs> I was like, "Wait, that's so, yeah. a, that's a name, yeah, like because it's Rufus, you know." So, so I remember that about it. So it'd be interesting to check that out again, and then also maybe, even though I know I'm probably gonna hate it, maybe I should try playing the remake and see see what you know, see how I end up liking it. I have weird feelings about the remake. I have been, uh, man, I don't want to get too lost on this, but just, I guess, to, 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 to summarize, I was waiting on buying a PS3. Like I said, I was going to skip that whole generation. I was waiting on buying a PS3 the whole time for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And if you had told me that it was going to come out like near the end of the PS4, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to be like, Fuck. Because yeah. like I had been following it forever, because I was so excited. Because uh, like 
the tech demo, I want to say, the very first tech de- demo they released was like E3 for the PS3. Well, that was not them saying that they were remaking Final Fantasy VII. That's true. That tech demo was just, look how cool the PS3 is. Yeah. We did we did a Midgar thing with it. Yeah, and that's yeah. all it was. But the problem then became when when fan reception to that exploded and Sony saw dollar signs. Right. They developed it with a company that unfortunately it didn't work out with, and they had to end up scrapping it later on. Yeah, I actually forgot about that part. It was CyberConnect too. Right? That's why it I was... felt so bad because my homie CyberConnect two made Dot Hack, and I was a huge Dot Hack fan, and I was like, man. I like Final Fantasy VII a whole lot, and then I remember the gameplay of Dot Hack being so repetitive from game to game because it was the same game split into four different games because it was so big. And I was just like, yeah. man, fuck that gameplay. I don't want Final Fantasy VII to have that shit." <laughs> yeah, like so. From what so I haven't played the remake. From what I've seen of it, though, my prediction is that it's like when you're fighting, when you're doing main quest shit, where you're fighting the bosses. That stuff, from what I've seen, looks really fun. Yeah, I hear it's like, much better now. Specifically, the boss battles of the 7 remake look fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And especially just that idea of like, hey, it's Airbuster. Remember this fucker? You know, now it's on PS5 and it looks amazing yeah. and it's in 3D. And the battle system's different. It's a totally different game. But the battle system is cool for a boss fight, right? And that stuff looks amazing. But then when you get into, hey, there's a two-hour side quest about Jesse. And uh, remember the motorcycle scene? Well, that goes on for an hour now. And then also, remember that hand that's on the way to uh, fucking between Wall Market and the other, and Earth's house? Now that's a whole mini game that you have to do with that thing. And, you know, also, hey, you're in Midgar right now, which is, you know, a real sleazy, slimy kind of place, right? No, 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 no. The music's nice. Everyone's all freshly showered and has stylish clothes and stylish hair and stuff. Dude, I was so on board until you said that, actually. The sun is shining, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah. And and, and from what I've seen, it's just like, man, this does not feel like sleazy Midgar, you know? It's Uh, supposed to be nice clubs everywhere and shit <laughs> right 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 so everything like that i'm sure will drive me absolutely bonkers and i will hate you know but then but the but like yeah. the boss fights look so good you know and well the reason so, i yeah. say i have a complex kind of feeling about it is because i i've been waiting for it for so long and here i am with a ps4 not a ps5 yet but uh, i have a ps4 and I've yet to buy final fantasy 7 remake in fact i don't yeah. even want to pay full price for it because i wanted to buy the whole game and i am totally understanding and sympathetic that's not going to be the whole game and i'm fine paying for it in parts but that's kind of the thing i don't want to pay for a game in parts i want to pay for the game in parts when all the parts are out that's totally fine and now i have to wonder with the way that game development has been going dude fuck how many console generations has skyrim been on now how many yeah. how many dude it's a cash cow game final fantasy 7 remake is how many systems before i go hey eh, i'll finally buy it maybe they're done with it now maybe it's gonna look as best as it's ever gonna look you know it's like that's the thing that we now have to contend with before you'd get 
Super Mario, and then you get Super Mario or Super Mario World. It's like, whoa, this is a huge graphics upgrade. And then, like, for like 30 years, Mario was kind of understood as like the same kind of looking kind of game. And it's like, cool, that's how that goes. They they make new games and they look slightly better. They all play kind of how you expect a Mario game to play, but it's like, all right, well, now we have a total redefinition of a game. And now that game is probably going to be suspended in liquid for the next 200 years while they can inject different new graphics technologies to make it look better iteration after iteration. Uh, Console after console, pro upgrade after pro upgrade. It's like, what am I going to buy? Yeah, this is a very good point. Like, if... If Final Fantasy VII Remake was a whole-ass game and it was done, it was complete, I would have already played it. Mm, yeah. But um, but the, the two things that held me back are the fact that it is, you know, not it's episodic, right? It's going to be released in parts. We don't even know how many parts it's going to be. We don't know when part two is going to be. We haven't even heard about it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, it ha- you know, I, I don't know about it oh coming my to God. PC. Yeah, dude. How the hell did we get a remake of the remake before we got an announcement of part two? Right. They've already (laughs) remastered the remake on PS5. It's not really a remaster. It's kind of a joke to say that, but yeah. (sighs) Well, Um, no, hang on. I think it is actually accurate because I I think they replaced textures. I think there are higher res textures. I think there's more particle effects. I think there's there's a few things in there that do make the translation to PS5 visible. Well, it's going to be a noticeable transition, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, I imagine since games are so similar to PC games now yeah. that, like, these are things that could, if there were a PC version, these are things that could be a slider, right? And they slid them up yeah. on the PS5 version. I don't know if that's a remaster. And but honestly, honestly they I would add still, more content, though. I would buy the... <laughs> if, if for anyone, any reason anyone values my opinion on this, just know this. If you are going to remaster your game a console generation ahead and you change nothing except for 30 more frames a second, you could take the marketing the same exact fucking cover of the game with like a number 60 after the end and I will I will spend all my money on that version instead. That, like, that's, that's the remaster I want is high frame rate. Yeah, so that I the, so okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I I was the other reason that I haven't so the reasons I ha- I did not play the remake right away is because um it was in parts, right? I didn't want to buy a portion of a game and then also it was 30 FPS and it just didn't, you know, I was like, "Eh, oh, yeah. I'll wait for it on PC." Is what I said, right? Forgot I'll just that. wait for it on PC. Now it's like a year or two, it's like 2 years later. We haven't heard anything about a PC version yet, but it is on PS5 now and it's 60 FPS on PS5. And I've been playing a shitload of Final Fantasy VII, so now it's like, okay, now I'm 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 curious now, you know, I'm curious enough to play it now. But I am still bothered by the fact that it's all not only is it in parts, but it ends at the end of Midgar, which is so early in the game, which is not even yeah, which is not even the end of the first disc, right? So it's so difficult to imagine how many parts there's going to be because it's like they they drug. Midgar out so much, you know, mm-hmm. that it's like you're looking at you're you're looking at a five part game at this point. If you know, at the at least, if they did the same treatment to every other part of the game, but they probably won't. 
So now is there going to be this weird thing where it's like, let's say it's three parts, right? Because trilogies are nice. That means that you're going to get this long drug out Midgar thing that everyone complained about how bloated it was. You know, they stretched eight hours to 40, right? Everyone's going to complain about that. And then the whole two other parts are going to be rushed, you know? Yeah. Now we got to get through the rest of this plot. And, that, and that's <laughs> the problem, too, because, like, I like Midgar. I think it's actually a really cool, like, setting to start the game off in. It's a, it's cool to see the struggle, like, the cra- the class struggle between, like, you know, the wealthy, corrupt uh, government, like, that's in bed with the power corporation and then the, the struggling slums. It was cool to see that and start off immediately in this conflict that gets you emotionally involved. But, like... There's other parts of the game where I would rather spend more time in. Like, dude, you could based off of what they've done, what they've done so far content-wise for, on a on a on a per gigabyte disc basis, how many discs is the golden saucer going to be? I was just going to say I really want to see the gold saucer. Yeah, I want the, the gold remake. saucer so bad. Dude. <laughs> the music's going to uh, be amazing no matter what they do. I just know it. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I I agree. though. Midgar, I mean, Midgar is like one of the coolest settings yeah. uh, ever. Like, For sure, it's, it's such a a great thing. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I, want, I don't uh, know what I'm talking about anymore, man. Old man yells at cloud. Yeah, Except. I well, part. <laughs> Except not part of it is I, I get asked about the remake every day. Like even when I'm not playing Final Fantasy VII, I feel like the the topic of the remake comes up on my stream like when you, every day. When and you do so your, I, I um, sorry, I was gonna say when you do your stream, do you do retro? Or do you say Final Fantasy VII? Uh, Final Fantasy VII for the category, yeah, might be um, why. But but yeah, yeah I, well, even when I'm not playing Final Fantasy VII, I just feel like the game comes up a lot because I talk about it all the time, and so the remake comes up a lot, and so I I don't know what I've I've already talked about on this podcast or not. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, I I I really do. The thing is, there's way too much money behind it for Sony to to say no. But like, I do have this small fear that one day. Sony's not gonna finish remake. Like it's not gonna be the full Final Fantasy VII game. I, I'm scared that's gonna happen because there's so much at the rate that they've been doing it. Um, I mean, and I know the money's there. I know people will buy it. They have, but like my thing is, because of that uncertainty, should I invest? Should I even care? Or should I just replay Final Fantasy VII? And that's what I was saying earlier. Is that my my relationship with the remake is is complex because. I, from the beginning, have been one of the people who's not been very upset by the story elements that they've changed, or especially not the things that they've added. Like, you told me there's a side quest, like a, a couple hour-long side quest for, like, Jesse. I thought Jesse was a cool character. I'm, I'm willing to explore it on that rabbit hole. I, I love the idea of that. But, like, I don't want to play this alternate universe, technically, where different events happen if you're not even going to finish it and yeah and i'm scared because like final fantasy 7 is all about the story and if you're changing the story why get invested you know it's it's a glorified tech demo at that point yeah and like that it goes back to the fear that i was saying a minute ago where like i'm not necessarily too worried that they'll never finish it i mean maybe they won't and that is a that is valid I'm I'm also afraid that even if if they do finish it, that it's going to feel rushed at the end, oh. right? Oh, I'm that they're sorry. gonna they're I... gonna drag it out for a really long time and then finish it real quick. Yeah, yeah, and that Which... would be terrible. Um, 
but I keep, I keep, I keep forgetting to say this. <laughs> I was saying, I was dancing around it. Um, my complicated relationship is such that I've never cared about the things that people have been complaining about with Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. Remake because my answer has always been, you can just play the original. Oh yeah, totally. And they're two different games, right? Yeah, exactly. One one does not replace the other. And and and, and um, like I, for other games, I would feel a little bit less. I feel a little bit more reserved about saying that. But Final Fantasy VII is again, it's a cash cow game. They make it available for you to purchase digitally on like every console they put out. So like, it's not a it's not a a retro privilege, so to speak, if you could call it that. It's like not everyone has a PS One or PS Two in their house. Okay, yeah, but like if you have the game that you have the remake on you can play the original <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's not something that you just can't do you can just go enjoy the original play that all you want on whatever console you want enjoy it for that i mean like i i get that people are kind of just accustomed to the change in pace that no one has a lot of patience for jrpgs anymore that played Final Fantasy VII back in the day and they play all these Gears of War or first-person shooter kind of games where their patience is nowhere near as tested as thickly as old-school JRPGs will be. I, I know that the attention span has dropped a bit, is what I'm saying. But if you can complain about it, you can enjoy it the way you enjoyed it before, in my opinion, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Play the fucking original. <laughs> Yeah, but if well, yeah. I mean, if we haven't made, we gushed about Final Fantasy VII original for hours yeah. uh, before on the podcast. Like, if it isn't clear at this point, if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, uh, you should play it. And and I, you're even a bigger Final Fantasy fan than I am. I I've just played a couple of them and, and beat a couple of them, and I like I I kind of just like Final Fantasy. I don't love Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy VII. My relationship is a little bit closer to love, just because I love the story of it in general. It's just so unique. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good fucking game. I, I I say go for it, even if you're apprehensive about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's available on anything. Yeah. Anyway, I so so what 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 started this whole tangent is that I was saying that. Yeah, I, I'm like at the point now, I guess, where I've waited long enough for a PC version of the remake without hearing about it, and uh, being that it's been on my brain so much more lately than before, I guess I'm at the point of curiosity where I am willing to probably try the remake pretty soon. Hmm. Well, that's all. It's good. So maybe now you'll that hear, you've gotten the speed yeah. run down to sub eight hours almost. Yeah, I'm going to play the remake and be like, what the fuck? I can't put added cut Tifa uh, or added cut Deathblow on Tifa and just one-shot everything? Actually, you you should try that. Actually, Dude, you might actually be able to make that into a little bit of a YouTube series, trying uh, Final Fantasy VII speedrun strats and, and remake and seeing what I don't what think it trans- it'll translate at all. Not, nowhere near as well at all? <laughs> like, not, yeah, not even close. Well, I'm thinking at, like, at least at the stat that- things with Tifa. Well, so part of it is that Tifa, her weapon, the Power Soul, has that special... You, you know the red tearstone ring in Dark Souls? No. It makes you more power. It multiplies your damage if you're under 30% health, right? I bl- I it's basically you. that, right? It's like a special yeah. weapon she has that does that. So, right. It, there'd have to be something like that for you to be able to abuse something like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There are remakes, or there are speedruns of the remake. I've never seen them before, though. I have mm. you know... 
Because I, I have somewhat of an interest in playing the game at some point, so I haven't seen a ton of it. Well, I have a uh, I have a seed to plant, I guess, for next episode. If mm-hmm. uh, an interesting topic idea, I saw something a, a game. I won't talk about it until next time, but I saw a game on DS, and I didn't know the game existed on DS. And to probably no one's surprise, it is a card game. But it is a card game of like a franchise you've never seen as a card game before and i thought the ds i thought for a minute i was like okay the ds kind of has a few of those kinds of games where like it plays on the on a theme of card games even sometimes like there's a Yu-Gi-Oh game and then it has like weird like jet motorcycles in it or some shit it's weird anyway um ds emulation is I'm not. I don't really understand where DS emulation is right now. How realistic? How good it is yet? I've not heard great things. I'll say that. Um, and of course, hardware uh, getting video out to stream has been pretty iffy. Uh, even more so now that those only two shops have shut down. So I'm kind of curious about uh, whether or not you have. I, I mean, I'm looking at your webcam right now. The people on the show probably can't see it, but I can see a few DS games on your shelf. DS games that like are like waiting, you know what I mean? Are waiting to be discovered by the public who don't really play handheld games. And not necessarily what that's going to do to like the retro market of people buying DS games, but like what games are you looking at right now? Or maybe not looking at, but what games do you think uh, you've played before that you like, this wouldn't translate to anything except for DS, and the only oh, yeah. way that we can stream this is with a real DS. You know what I mean? That's yeah. I, I have a game right off the, the bat of, of top of my head that I, I'm, 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 I want to talk about, but I don't have yet that I may want to oh, yeah. talk about in a future. I, episode. I have at least two off the top of my head. I can say of games that are like, yeah, you, it's only available or only playable on DS. Yeah. So all right, I'll think about that. Yeah, my my thing is I have to buy the game and then play it on a DS first <laughs> in order oh, to get an right, opinion right. about it. But like I, I I'm just curious about where we are in DS uh hardware, you know, where we are to the point where we actually have real freedom with what we can do with Nintendo hardware such that we can like stream it. Mhm. Yeah, anyway. Food for thought. Um it was cool uh talking to you this week for almost what are we at? <laughs> three hours this time yeah we went on kind of late when do when final fantasy remake came up we yeah we kind (laughs) of went on for a while there yeah that's all good well uh we we, uh uh, did you have anything else you want to talk about nope that's all good for me all right man well uh we appreciate y'all uh tuning in chatting live and uh all the downloads of course listening to us in the car on the toilet you know in the shower wherever you choose to listen to us uh thanks guys We hope you'll have a good time for however long it is it takes for you to listen to the next episode and see us again. Peace, guys.